So, when was your last checkup? Oh no, not you. Although that's important too, but when was your last vehicle checkup? When it comes to service, nobody knows your Chevy better than your local Chevy dealer. Go to ChevyDriveChicago.com to schedule an appointment today. Did you take my pen? No. Why would I do that? Would I Now, would I do that to you? It's missing. No, I did not take your pen. My pen is missing. I can't do a show without a pen in my hand. Okay. So I can do this. Jack, get him a pen. So I can do this. Uh-huh. <laughs> Drive everybody crazy with that. I didn't even know that I did this, but then someone, a, lo- a long, long, long time friend from <laughs> who I've known since uh, when I worked at WMRO in Aurora, the talk of the valley. Boy, that goes back. <laughs> Boy, that goes way back. The talk of the valley. <laughs> in the morning talk of the valley <laughs> uh yeah that would be 1976 uh a friend uh said oh you still do that with your pen <laughs> i didn't know that i did that with my pen i have a little habit when i do basketball games too you know pens that you click on oh, oh yeah yes. I, I do that underneath you know below the microphone but it's just one of those you know little were you aware were you aware that you were doing- i the only time i was ever aware of it was a couple of years ago when i i, I kind of looked down for some reason, I look at my at my stats. Yeah. I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> yeah, I keep doing it. I'm very pen dependent. Yeah. <laughs> I do this, and uh, I twirl the pen in between my fingers. Ah, I could be a baton. Twirler. I was just going to say go. you should be in a parade with that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> my pen. With my with pen holding the pen, my, real up my in the pen, air. My pen twirling skills. <laughs> You could have led the Grand March with your pen. That's right. Now you tell me. No, I'm about I'm about to drive you crazy. It's nine oh now you're about eight minutes to. after nine o'clock. Oh, there we go. Our first one of the had day. to get it in. Our double time check, everybody. <laughs> I never look at celebrity birthdays. I don't know why I did today because there's a lot of them. Do you know Yoko Ono is ninety one years old? What? Wait a minute. What? Yoko Ono is 91 Whoa. years old today. Wow. Happy birthday, Yoko. Happy birthday, indeed. 91. Singer-songwriter Bobby Hart is 85. Mm-hmm. What did Bobby Hart... He, I know he, he was wrote with a Tommy lot of songs. Boyce and Bobby Hart. I wonder what, what she's, she's doing, doing tonight. Right? Oh, I wonder what, what she's doing tonight. <laughs> Pan accompaniment. <laughs> yes. Uh, our old pal Dennis DeYoung. Hmm. How old did you say Dennis DeYoung is? I'm going to say he's 77. That's what I'm going to say. That's so, right on the nose. Is Andy. it? Nice. Good work. Did you cheat? I did not cheat. Dennis DeYoung, 77. He's very spry for 77. Sticks Paradise Theater was the first album I ever bought. Really? And it was on the day that Ronald Reagan was shot. Really? That was the first album you ever bought? First album I ever bought with my own money, I guess. Uh, that's that's what it was. Did you go buy an album because the president was shot? Uh, no, we drove, We were there before the president got shot. Ah, but you remember that day because Correct. you heard about it we pulled as back you bought the, the album. Pulled hmm. back into the driveway and our neighbor was out hmm. telling everybody. Ah, uh, okay. Sybil Shepard, the actress... 74. My old pal John Travolta's birthday is today. I was thinking Sybil Shepard was in The Last Picture Show. That was 1968-69. She had to be very young. That that TV show she was on. Moonlighting. uh, What's his name? That was Moonlighting. Moonlighting? Bruce Willis. Yeah, Yeah. Moonlighting. That was a good show. Yeah. 
Uh, and John Travolta is his da- birthday today? What would you guess is John Travolta's age? Um, 70. Right on the nose. Is it? Look at you guys. Okay. Rolling. I'm going to quit now. Vanna White? Vanna White today also? Yep. Um, I told you there's a lot of birthdays today. Man. Yeah, I'm going to say I'm going to say uh, 70, 72, maybe 67. Oh my gosh! Actor Matt Dillon is 60. Rapper Dr. Dre, Schwanee's favorite. <laughs> yeah, he would like us to call him Dr. Schwanee from now on. <laughs> that's his rapper name. That's my rapper. That's his rapper. Nothing name. but a G thing, baby. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Nothing but an S thing. Yeah, for Schwanee. <laughs> <laughs> He's 59. Molly Ringwald, 56. Uh, who else do we have here? Let me see. A lot of people, I have no idea who they are. <laughs> opera, say, do you know opera at all? No. I, Isabel Leonard? I know the name, yeah. No idea. Isabel Leonard? No idea. No idea of how old she is? I have no oh. idea who she is. Oh, oh okay. she's uh, 42. 42. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was watching an episode of The Odd Couple. Oh, yes. With uh, Jack Klugman. And Tony Randall. Tony Randall, which can be hilariously funny occasionally. And there was some plot where there was a a lady who uh, was too shy. It was a very good opera singer, but she was too shy to sing unless Felix was there to help her. Hmm. Oh, really? Yeah. What, yes, and yeah, that's all. That's, that's oh, it. that's all. And oh, they, okay. there was a, they sang opera. They sang opera on the show. They sang together. Yeah, yeah. and I, I took a small nap, like I always do. <laughs> whenever I, whenever I hear opera, it's and there's a reason that uh, we go back to 1978 because many important things happened that year. U.S. Senate proceedings were broadcast on the radio for the first time in 1978. Uh, the uh, Women's Army Corps was abolished, and women were integrated into the regular army for the first time in 1978. Uh, home brewing of beer became legal in uh, 1978. Remember the murder-suicide of the in Guiana, Jonestown, Guiana? Remember? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Ugh. Ugh. That was 1978. Jim Jones. Jim Jones. In Jonestown there. Yeah. Yes. I can believe it was that long ago. Uh, Menachem Begum and Anwar Sadat begin the peace process at Camp David, Maryland. Correct. Uh, and a young boy from Aurora, Illinois, joins the WGN-TV staff as their new meteorologist. One, Mr. Tom Skilling, 1978. 45 years ago, and Tom Skilling has been there predicting the weather. Uh, I would say creating the weather. I've always yeah. <laughs> said that he actually creates it. Uh, but on February 28th, I'll sign off for the final time. Tom is retiring, and uh, he will be with us here in studio for two full hours today to uh, have some fun with us, to answer your questions on the phone, uh, to reminisce a little bit. I've, uh, I'm super looking forward to it. Schwani hasn't got a wink of sleep. No, all week. I've been excited all week. <laughs> I really have. I can't believe that you've never met him. This is this is one of the reasons why I'm very excited to have him here is because I do finally get to meet 
him face to face and shake the man's hand and thank him for all that he's done because he's an inspiration. He just is. He really is. He is. He is the epitome of dedication to uh, whatever it is that you love. Uh, He is the epitome of that with his love and passion, even as a little kid. Yeah. For the weather. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when you and I were little kids doing dopey DJ shows. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Dean Diamond with you. Hey. Uh, Tom was. (laughs) Hey. (laughs) By the way, a friend of mine found a tape of uh, me as Dean Diamond. Oh, really? Oh, nice. You'll never hear it, but he did find it. Uh, now, how, you such know what? A tape you exist. know what we should do today? We should recreate the Dean Diamond show and me at WSAS in Highland, Indiana, yeah. and have Tom doing the weather. The weather, yeah. On our pretend radio network, right? Oh, yeah, that'd be. Would fun. that have been something? Yeah, that'd be fun. That'd be a lot of fun. You sound all enthused. I, I am. <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying to. I'm trying to maintain. I got. I only got so much enthusiasm in me. I'm saving most of it for when Tom gets here at eleven o'clock. Oh wow! Uh, but that'll be fun. Uh, Andy uh, has had several encounters. With yeah, yeah. T skilling uh, over at the TV station when he fills in doing sports. Yep, he's always uh, very complimentary of my sport coats, and uh, I always tell him to direct his compliments to my wife because yep. she's the one that picks it out. So very nice, genuine guy. He's he's really fun. He's He's always laughing, and that's the thing that you have to admire about. I mean, weather, it can, it can get a little stressful because right. of all the things that happen. Right. And uh, he's just, he, like you just said, I mean, he absolutely, you can tell he loves what he does. Lives and breathes it. I yeah. mean, he wakes up in the morning. He has a weather, he's got all the most sophisticated weather equipment at the TV station, of course. But I think he, it's, it's completely duplicated at his house as well. He wakes up, he gets on the computers, he starts looking at what the weather's going to be like. I mean, he, he lives it and breathes it. And it's not like it's a chore. Not like he has to, it's like, oh, i got to look at the computers. Nope. Hasn't turned cynical like I have. But um, he... You started out that way. Uh, excited or no, cynical? cynical. <laughs> I've always been. <laughs> you started I've, out that way. Yeah. Turn. I've, I've always been this way. That's, that's true. That's a good point. It's not like I suddenly turned cynical. <laughs> Uh, he, he, it's not a chore for him at all. He loves it. He absolutely, absolutely loves it. And now he's decided that it might be time to slow down a little bit. So Tom will be retiring. We'll, uh, have uh, what I'm sure is going to be an amazing visit with him starting at 11 o'clock this morning. This and, is really going to be one of a landmark show for you. Here right. Yeah. On the, on the Sunday morning. I show. agree. I agree. This is going to be one that. Uh, we remember for the ages. Mm-hmm. We found a tape, uh, a recording, I should say. We should, we found a recording of Bob Bell's final appearance on WGN Radio before he retired in 1984. Who happened to be doing the weather on that show that day? Tom Skilling. Who else? Mm. Tom yeah. Skilling. 1984. So we're going to play that uh, later on. That's It's... Uh, it's Tom and Bob Bell talking and, you know, passing compliments to each other on the occasion of Bob Bell retiring uh, back in the day. It was on Eddie Schwartz's show. Wow. Chicago, oh, wow. Chicago Eddie Schwartz's wow. show. Wow. Yeah. So you're going to get to hear it's a little Eddie. You're going to get to hear Bob Bell. 
Uh, you're going to get to hear uh, Tom Skilling back in the day, 1984. Uh, we've got some some fun recordings. We've got uh, uh, Bonnie Hunt remembering uh, Tom Skilling and passing on some words to him. I had forgotten that we had done this, but when the movie The Weatherman came out, starring Nicolas Cage, Tom was Tom was the person who taught Nicolas Cage how to do the chroma key effects, the green screen, hmm. how to be a weatherman. Wow. Tom taught him all that. They shot the movie at WGN TV. So, you know, Tom was the, you know, the natural, he was the weather advisor to Nicolas Cage. So when they did the opening for the movie um, and had a red carpet for it, I took Tom with me to the red carpet. And uh, Nicolas Cage was so happy to see him. They had a nice conversation on the the red carpet, and they talked to each other. We're going to uh, share that uh, with you coming up a little bit later on. And, you know, everybody uh, these days calls Tom Tom freaking Skilling. <laughs> so, right, yeah. Tom freaking Skilling. Oh, that is such a great band. <laughs> We're going to play uh, from where that originated, how that all started, Tom freaking Skilling, which is uh you know, definitely a classic. Do so. you have the audio of Tom becoming overwhelmed by the eclipse from uh, 2017? I was going to uh, play that, but it's mostly visual. Yeah, it is. It is. You know, but... you see him, he he saw the eclipse, and he broke down. Oh, yeah. He broke down. Yeah. He got so emotionally, he broke down. But you can't really, on radio, it doesn't make as much yeah. sense. Uh, we were we were in Carbondale the day after getting ready to leave and had uh, I think it was the Today Show on in the room and uh, they were teasing going into the next segment uh, saying coming back after the break a Chicago meteorologist becomes overwhelmed watching the eclipse yesterday yep. and I instantaneously said yeah. it had to be could only be sure one enough. yeah. Yeah, it yeah. could only be one <laughs> we did. And it was great. That was The reason I brought that up was because it really was a great moment. Yeah. It was wonderful. It was so honest. It really was honest. It yeah. was pure and uh, unrehearsed. It's just what happened at that moment and speaks to how just ingrained Tom's love is for for weather, for the environment, for climate, uh, for these kinds of things that happen naturally, uh, and he became overwhelmed by seeing it, and uh, I, I think it was a beautiful moment myself. Uh, and it's it's on the web; you can you can go see it if you want to. It just it wouldn't have made sense uh, to uh, you know people hear me crying every Sunday <laughs> <laughs> after the tenth or eleventh Andy Griffith show reference. That's when I start crying. I break down. <laughs> We'll ask Tom what the weather in Mayberry is today. Oh, yeah, that'd be nice. <laughs> now, we're going to open up the phone lines for these two hours. I don't want people go, calling up, going, uh, yeah, Tom, I'm going to uh, West Palm Beach. What's the weather? Ask him some nice questions about his career, yeah. about his, you know, the, the looking ahead, you know, like that, that sort of thing. Not... Tom, I saw some clouds in the sky, and what does that mean? <laughs> I'm sure he would be happy to answer those questions too. But let's let's keep the questions 
you know, like really top notch today. Think about all the technology that has evolved. That's what I want to ask him about. He started. Yeah, I remember yeah. seeing that first that first uh, clip of him with. I believe Jack Taylor was the was right. the anchor, right? Yellow Blazers, the Yellow Blazers, the and Yellow was, News Nine Blazers, and right. they had that wall where the weather was, and it was not anything that was you know chroma keyed or green screen or anything. It was just kind of a, a wall with with weather on it. Yeah. And now he's got all these computers. Now it's the, just the most unbelievable. It's uh, I do want to ask that. As, yeah. You know how involved is it? I know he looks at uh, you know dozens of models right. from different parts of the world in putting together his forecast. Um, but comp- compare that to you know all of these maps, these physical maps that they used to print mm-hmm. out that he used to have to look at, and then these. These drawings that look like your kid came home from kindergarten and put it on the refrigerator. That's what the weather used to look like uh, back in the day. They would slap up these cardboard cardboard Remember, cutouts of clouds. Yeah, just P.J. Hoff drawing an umbrella when it was yeah. going to rain. Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. All right. Well, anyway, all of that and so much more uh, is coming up. We're going to get talk with uh, Dr. Jack Silver uh, Jeremy Silver, rather, about uh, you know some health issues like we always do. We've got uh, some of our regular features here today. And then Tom freaking Skilling. And now it's 929. Time for America's favorite, the far-flung forecast, our weekly compendium of fascinating facts and figures. And here coming in on a high-pressure system with the very latest is Dave Schwann. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Tom. I mean, Dean. And good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for being here. Wow, what an honor to do the far-flung forecast uh, during our uh, right before Tom visits us. In fact, Andy said Tom should do the forecast, but uh, maybe we it's can only have a, him. Only a four-hour show. Four-hour right? show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but today, we go to New Canton, Virginia. New Canton, Virginia. New Canton, Virginia, which mm. was settled way back in 1793. It's in Buckingham County, Virginia, mm-hmm. and... And um, it has a church. Okay. But All right. we mentioned New Canton. That's a novel idea. We, we mentioned it's actually a very, very small community. Uh, in fact, it's unincorporated. Uh, but it has a zip code, 23123. It ha- wait, it has a church and a zip code? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yep. But it is all we mentioned, New Canton, Virginia, because it is the home of a gentleman named Carter Woodson. Does anyone know that Carter name? Woodson. Anyone? Carter, Carter Woodson. Mm-mm. Carter Woodson. Carter Woodson was born there. Peter Griffith's father-in-law no, and family no, guy. No, 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 no relation, no oh. relation. Carter Woodson was born there in 1875 and is considered the dean and father of African-American history in the United States. Hmm. He was born, his parents were slaves. He was born there in 1875, and he was the person who came up with an idea to study African-American history. And here in Chicago, on the south side, at the Wabash Avenue YMCA at 37th and Wabash, he was here a hundred years ago in that building for a meeting and introduced a program calling it African-American History Week, Hmm. which now has become... Black History Black Month. History Month yeah. He definitely did a great deal to establish 
uh, the uh, very proud history of African Americans uh, and uh, was uh, centered in Washington, D.C. His home is now a National Historic Site in Washington, D.C. He died we, there in 1950. Do we have any sort of commemoration of him in Chicago? There is a mention, and uh, yes, at the Wabash Avenue YMCA. There, okay. there's, a, uh, there's a plaque there, oh, and the people nice. there will, will tell you all about the meeting that took place there nice. when you uh, go there. That Wabash YMCA is now on the National Register of Historic Places, and one of the reasons why is because of uh, Carter Woodson's meetings there. New Canton, Virginia, the weather today pretty much like it is uh, here. It's partly sunny, 26 today. Dr. Jeremy Silver returns joining us again. Medical Director, Emergency Medicine, Northwestern's uh, Kishwaukee Hospital. Dr. Silver, my friend, welcome back to the show. Very nice to talk to you. How are you? Good morning, Dean. Thanks for having me. So uh, before we uh, jump into a couple of topics here, and I really want to get to uh, as many phone calls as we possibly can this morning, 312-981-7200. I just want to, it's been uh, a little while since we've talked COVID at all or anything related to that. Uh, What is the uh, the latest uh, on, you know, are are we seeing infections going up? Are we seeing them going down? I think I read this week that the CDC was planning on changing uh, their distancing uh, rules for people with uh, COVID. Is, is is that correct? Yes, that's that's what we're that's what it looks like. At least that's what all the news would indicate. Um, I don't I don't have a direct line to the CDC, but but I think it, I think they're probably heading in that direction. Um, so so what they're talking about doing is. Um, removing the stay-at-home isolation policy for five days. Um, as long as you're, you're not having a fever or significant symptoms, you can, you can go back to work, is, is what it looks like they're going to say. So that's probably good news then, I guess, right? That they feel like it's a little more controllable than they uh, maybe originally thought when we, we really knew nothing about this when, when it first came out. It's definitely a sign of the times, and and I think these uh, these isolation policies that we've had have really taken a toll on folks. Um, because if you're staying home, obviously, if you're a worker, uh, those wages are gone uh, potentially. And then uh, if you have kids, how are you going to um, take care of them? Um, so so at any rate, the, the um, you know people continue to. Sh- to shed the virus for anywhere from six to 11 days, um, young people infectious for a much shorter period and older people can, can be shedding the virus for a longer time. Uh, so I think that rather than focusing uh, or being hyper-focused on isolation, really the simple things like uh, vaccinations and masks, um, which can, can do an, an enormous amount of uh, defensive work against uh, spreading the infection. Okay. Now, uh, as far as long COVID, could you first explain what that is and uh, why, why, sure. we're, why we're seeing an upswing in some states, uh, the long COVID continuing and continuing to cause problems for people who get it? Yeah, well, long COVID is, is a bit of an enigma. Um, and, and the reason is, is that the, the uh, symptoms are so varied and have so much crossover with a variety of other conditions. Um, and so symptoms can include anything from, from just being tired to chronic fatigue to something people refer to as brain fog, where they're just, their cognition is just not what it was prior to the illness. And then more serious 
uh, or more obvious symptoms such as shortness of breath, chest pain, dizziness. There's just so many symptoms, uh, and and, uh, and and other symptoms that 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 doctors may not be as 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 able to kind of easily touch on. But patients say, you know, I just don't quote unquote feel right. Um, and then the rates of this disease, this long COVID, we we really just don't know. It could be anywhere as low as a you know, a couple percentage points to some folks think that it's as high as 25%. Um, you made a mention of the states. Um, you know, there was some, a study that came out recently that looked at the hardest hit states, which were in the South, the plain states and the West of the United States. Um, so there's definitely some population areas that for, for whatever reason are more susceptible to this. Um, and I think it's just going to take a long time to parse out all the data. I, I will say, Dean, I, I, I'm not certain that any of this is new to uh, the human condition, uh, meaning that, uh, you know, the immune system is a, is a very, very complex and intricate part of the human body. And it has been long felt, uh, and I think even proven, that um, many viruses in our past, way long before COVID was even on our radar, um, have contributed to autoimmune diseases. So your, your immune system sees a virus uh, and then develops an immunity towards the virus, but there's overlap in the protein shape and configuration to a part of your body like, uh, for instance, your pancreas, uh, and then your immune system starts to atta- attack your pancreas, and voila, you've got type 1 diabetes. Hmm. Uh, and so I think that there may be some understanding around that as time goes on that that long COVID is really a function of the immune system, but but I'm not you know I'm not an expert in this. It's just a little armchair quarterbacking on my side. Yeah. What about uh, I mean the the usual vaccines that hopefully we all have had by this point? Uh, is that the best defense against this right now? I mean, is that if, if you want to say that you've done everything you can to combat this, is, is that the the usual set of vaccines that are out there right now? It seems to be that those who have had at least three vaccine series um, have had a lower risk of long COVID. Uh, and certainly those, unfortunately, if you have chronic medical condition before you, you got an, an infection such as diabetes uh, or chronic kidney disease or, or an autoimmune condition, uh, you're, you're going to be more likely to develop long COVID. And, and we know that people who have uh, obesity um, are going to be at higher risk. So the one modifiable risk factor there, vaccination. Uh, let me get a, a call in here because I'm trying to get as many as we possibly can uh, on the segment here. And Mel, you're going to be first today, 312-981-7200. You're on with Dr. Silver. Gentlemen, I appreciate it. Thank you very much, Dr. Silver. I am soon to be a 79-year-old. I had pneumonia and to cut to the chase, 2005 was my 23-strain uh, pneumonia shot, the first one, told to get uh, follow-up seven years later. So at 2005, 2012, and 2019, now on that pattern, I'm due for 2026. Uh, should I continue that for the rest of my life, or, or I've already had three already, or is that enough? What, uh, what do you think, sir? Uh, well, thanks for calling, first of all. I'm, I'm happy to hear that you've been, sounds like you've had the Pneumovax uh, vaccine uh, against uh, strep pneumonia and all the variations of strep. Uh, 
I don't know if that schedule is going to change over time. Um, sometimes the schedules do change, but my recommendation would be to, to, to continue to follow with your primary doctor. And primary care doctors are great at staying abreast of all the latest and greatest with respect to vaccines. Um, so that's that's my best advice there. But congratulations on, on being 79, and you sound like a, you're doing well. Typically, how often should one uh, get their pneumonia shot? Uh, so... So, Dean, the uh, the pneumonia shot is is basically uh, advised for for the older crowd, um, and I'm not I'm not prepared to talk about the uh, the cadence for that uh, on the air because I, I typically would would go to a resource. I I am great at emergency medicine, but primary care is not my expertise, so okay. I don't want to speak out of turn. Okay, but uh, you can e- you can easily get those schedules online by going to the CDC or simply googling pneumovax schedule. Uh, Doctor, one of the big stories this week was uh, former Chicago Bear great Steve McMichael uh, being uh, rushed to a hospital and put into intensive care. Uh, He has been living with Alzheimer's disease for some time now, but apparently this was a urinary tract infection. This time, something that you definitely never want to hear with a patient like this. Uh, What's the latest? What what is your best guess of... What happened here? Well, first of all, I want to wish him and his family um, all the best and, and, and hopefully for a speedy recovery. I, I don't know anything about his medical condition. I have not looked at his medical records. Um, but I did see the headline about a transfusion and the intensive care unit, and certainly that that's going to indicate a certain level of severity. Um, and what I can say, generally speaking, about infections is uh, bacterial infections can lead to a condition called sepsis. Uh, and I think it would be reasonable to, to extrapolate that that's what's, what's going on for him. Uh, sepsis is when uh, the bacteria starts to spread from one particular area, like it starts out as a urinary tract infection or a pneumonia, and then gets into the bloodstream and and starts ex- expanding through the body and, and causing uh, other problems for other organ systems. So certainly a very serious condition. Uh, and in the hospital, something we pay very, very close attention to, especially in the emergency room. Is this something typically that a patient with uh, amyotropic lateral sclerosis would have to deal with, or any patient, I guess, who is uh, in bed, you know, can't, can't really uh, get out and, and move on their own? Is that part of the problem? Sure. I, I think that for, for a variety of reasons, one is simply as we age, our immune system is, is less robust. Uh, the, the same way that our, our, uh, our musculature, our muscle mass decreases over time and, and uh, our bones uh, lose their mineralization and, and, and things just kind of decline as we, as we march through the ages, uh, and particularly the immune system. Uh, but then you add on top of it a chronic disease, which chronic diseases cause chronic inflammation, and that impacts the ability of the immune system. The immune system gets distracted by that inflammation and is less able to fight off infection. And then you have the simple mechanical fact of, of you're lying in bed, you're not moving around the lymphatic system. The lymphatic system is a series of channels through which the immune system flows. It's like the superhighway mm-hmm. for your autoimmune cells. Uh, and so if you shut down the highway, all, you, all you've got are back roads, and, and we think we can all relate to that not being as an effective way of transportation, so to extend the metaphor. 
Yeah, well, they're they're saying that he could be in the hospital for a couple of more days and then be back home again, which is uh, great news. Gary, you are on the air with Dr. Jeremy Silver. Hello. Hello. Hey, Dr. Silver, thank you for taking my call. Uh, six months ago, in October, I got a COVID shot in my left shoulder. And, uh, you know, I had the usual, what I thought were the usual pains. But uh, six months later, it still hurts. My range of motion is really decreased. And when I exceed that range of motion, it really hurts. Uh, I finally, after six months, went to the doctor. I, I kind of self-diagnosed it on Google as Serva. And uh, I asked my doctor to confirm that. And he said, oh, it's probably just a coincidence. And he prescribed some anti-inflammatories. Uh, is there any way to tell if it is Serva? And if it, if it is, is there any other kind of treatments? Uh, thanks. Thanks for the question. I'm so, sorry that uh, that you've been dealing with that. that. That's that's miserable, especially when it's your shoulder and, and it's, uh, it affects all manner of activity. You know, I, yes. I I'm not certain that there's there's going to be a way to, to to sort that out. You know, these these conditions are what you're describing is is not common, um, and you know it's possible that the, uh, the that certainly that the vaccine caused the, the problem. It, there, certainly, there, there's always the possibility that it, it was something developing over time and, and unrelated. But um, you know, you as the patient would know best. I don't. I don't know of any particularly of any good treatments other than to say, you know, it's a it's a function of inflammation, um, and inflammation responds well in general to things like non-steroidal anti-inflammatory uh, drugs like Motrin or ibuprofen if you can take them. Um, ice, heat. Uh, physical therapy, uh, if you can get in a hot tub um, or a sauna, that could be very helpful to it. Um, but but no magic bullet, certainly. I'm sorry to hear that. All right. Well, just want to kind of get a second opinion. I appreciate your second opinion. Thank yeah. you. Uh, Gary, thank you very much for your call. You doctors love it when we patients go to Google and do our own self-diagnosing, don't you? My, my doctor told me to stop it. He said, I have two two <laughs> words for you. Stop that. <laughs> I, I, uh, I certainly sympathize with your doctor, uh, but, but I'll also say, I, I will say this, I, I do love it when patients have a sense of what's wrong with them, because, so, you know, a significant proportion of the time, the patient's right, and, and uh, far be it for me to, to kind of lead them down another road when they're trying to point me right to the, uh, to the problem, so yeah. I try to listen, and, and uh you know, certainly there are folks that come in and say, Google told me I'm dying, and, and I'll say, well, you're, you're alive, you're in front of me, and we're talking. Right. Yeah. So there's, there's, there's always the risk to, to, to take it to a hysterical point, but I think um, it's important for people to be educated. And, and I'll sometimes, you know, say to somebody, you know, here, I think, you know, I think what's going on is X, Y, and Z. While I'm, you know, while we're getting an x-ray, why don't you just Google that on your phone and we can talk more about it. So I'll try and use the technology to my advantage when I can. Yeah, there you go. Um, Let me see. Apparently, a couple of minutes ago, I uh, referred to Steve McMichael's condition as Alzheimer's. I misspoke. It is not. It is ALS, amyotropic lateral sclerosis. So I apologize for the error on that. And in the meantime, uh, let's go to Jim on the phone line with a question for Dr. Jeremy Silver. Hi, Jim. Good morning, gentlemen. Uh, I, I just have a, a, a quick question for Dr. Ed, but, uh, Dean, I want to address as a pharmacist your question earlier about the new, uh, pneumonia vaccine. Yeah. The only current pneumonia vaccine is, is uh, 
Prevnar 20. If you haven't had Prevnar 20, you don't, you're not covered for anything that's going around right now. The, okay. the other two are now non-existent, so that's the one you need to do, Prevnar 20, for anybody who hasn't had one in the last two or three years, probably. All right. Uh, my, question for, my question for doctor is, is that uh, we're coming up on six months since we started the, the latest COVID vaccine. seems to me that it, it's something that's, especially for us seniors, that's only really works and does well for six months. Have you heard anything about us getting a new opportunity to, to get another vac, another of the, uh, I guess, a booster of the booster? <laughs> a great, great question, and you make a terrific point. Uh, these uh, these boosts or boosters only last so long, uh, and uh, and I think the six month time frame is is probably accurate. Uh, although what I've seen from the data is that uh, it, it still is effective for folks that had it um, against the JN.1 uh, variant, so the most recent uh, widely widely circulating variant in terms of preventing severe illness and death. As far as the next round, I haven't heard anything yet, um, so I'm, I'm you know I'll be I'll be watching that and, and certainly educating my my patients on it. But for now, I think it's kind of a wait and see, and and, uh, and I don't have a good sense of when the next one's coming. Yeah, we'll uh, let you know as soon as we hear anything about that. Thank you for your call. And Dr. Jeremy Silver, thank you for joining us today. Medical Director, Emergency Medicine, Northwestern's Kishwaukee, Kishwaukee Hospital. Hope you have a great Sunday today, Doc. Thank you so much. You know, I'm, uh, I'm not, I don't like AI artificial intelligence mm-hmm. where they create things that don't exist i saw a story on that the other night it's quite unnerving it's very unnerving very very unnerving this was one of the sticking points in the actor strike because studios were taking likenesses of actors you know from previous performances and then electronically digitally manipulating it into something else and it just seems like you can't tell the difference And here's why I bring it up with regard to Billy Joel. What they've done for the video of this song is they've taken images of Billy Joel from different stages of his life, going back to 1974 when Piano Man came out. And they now have Billy Joel from different stages of his past singing the song. Wow. Flawlessly on video. If you go on YouTube and look it up, uh, you know, go, look up, but turn the lights back on the official video of it. And it starts, it starts with him, uh, you know, now, uh, you know, bald, graying, you know, much like me, almost exactly like me. I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> it's a little eerie. Actually, I look at, I look at Billy Joel performing now and I go, I don't remember singing that song because <laughs> he does look like me. We do resemble each other. Did they do this with his permission? Yeah, it's they the, did it's it. the official video That's of the song. The song, okay. But they they have uh, it's Billy Joel looking like he did when he sang Piano Man, looking like he did when he sang Just the Way You Are. Wow, yeah. looking like he did uh, when he sang Big Shot. You know, it did like over the last uh, what fifty years. Yeah, different shots of him flawlessly singing the song. That's how they've manipulated it. That's Which and, means they have to manipulate his mouth and face yeah, yeah. to match the lyrics. And then. it doesn't look like, you know, weird digital manipulation. It looks perfect. Hmm. It looks perfect. That's how sophisticated 
this AI is. And, you know, part of me is fascinated by it, and part of me hates it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you're real. He's real. He's definitely real. <laughs> yeah, I you don't know if I'm, I'm just real. You don't know if I'm real. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I have a question about uh, about that song, too, because have, has he addressed anything in an interview? He did a song that I believe was on the River of Dreams album, and it was called Famous Last Words. Hmm. And it was basically him saying to everybody that this is it. I'm done. Uh, and But he left the open. I think one of the lyrics is, uh, there may be some other words some other day. And it's, it's, it's kind of eerie because I remember that song and I went back and listened to it. And it's basically his, his goodbye Saying to everybody. Goodbye, and yeah. now, now back, uh, you know, a few years later, 20, 30 years later, he's got another song out. But, uh, like what year would that have Probably been? Probably like 93, 94, maybe. Oh, okay. maybe a little so bit quite a bit, that. quite a bit longer than yeah, it was 30 River, years. Yeah, it was on River of Dreams. I'm pretty sure it was on that uh, that CD, that whatever you want to call it. So is Billy Joel real, or is it all just yeah, I don't know. AI? Is, have they just taken performances, and now they're... That's the part that's eerie to me, and scary, and why, that I don't like. Yeah. And they could go ahead and continue this without saying anything about it. Yeah. 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 We know, you know, because it's out that... This was done for the song, and it's the official video, but right. things could uh, go on um, and you know, is, as, as time goes on, yeah. and it could be done without anyone's knowledge. And with much more serious consequences. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is just, it's a song. This is just a song. But wasn't there, I just read in the last week, couple of weeks, somebody did an AI version of President Biden saying things that President Biden would never say. And, and it was, um, I forget the subject matter of what it was, but it was something that, like the real Joe Biden, if, if we even know what that is anymore, that uh, they had created this AI video that looked like him, sounded like him, appeared to be, uh, you know, speaking it, it didn't look like anything computer generated. It looked 100% real, saying things that are not true, that are being put on social media. And, uh, you know, and, and it could get worse than that. I mean, that's just campaign yep. stuff. But, you know, what if, what if uh, you know, some of, what if, what if a war started because of something like this? What if we elect somebody who doesn't exist, Oof. you know, at some point? Uh, that, that's where I see this going. That, you know, that this technology is used for evil instead of good. Well, that's been the concern from the beginning, that it would be used and, and get into the wrong hands. Right. And the things could escalate and uh, reach the point of no return, so to speak. Yeah. Well, that's why we've been collecting uh, recordings of Shwani talking about Andy Griffith show. Because <laughs> we know those are real. Old microphones. uh, <laughs> uh uh 45 rpm spindles <laughs> pretty much anything that's obsolete we can bring it all in we've and we've, it's real we've we've got doesn't we don't need it because we've got we've got <laughs> we recordings it. of it all we're going to mechanically reproduce you <laughs> we're going to digitally reproduce you oh now we are in trouble you know i insult the ai the ai uh it says i have a newsroom to run <laughs> 
That's it's what it a, could be, though. I know, and and they could also do this. It's ten nineteen, nineteen minutes, minutes after, after ten o'clock. Yeah, for money. <laughs> Sunny skies out there today. <laughs> it's forty minutes till skilling. <laughs> is Tom Skilling coming? Is that today? I've heard something about that. Yeah. Yes, it's for real too. I'm excited about that. For Tom retires. A lot of people have asked when is his actual last day on the air. And that will be on the 28th of February. I can't even imagine what the ratings are going to be like that night. Of people watch to see his final forecast and watch him say goodbye. I'm sure it's going to be very emotional. We're doing something on the morning show this coming Thursday morning, uh, the 22nd. Uh, from 9 to 10 o'clock, we're going to be doing a special live hour from the Music Box Theater with an audience uh, to celebrate skilling we're going to do a special one hour celebrating skilling special on the on the tv morning show this week this coming thursday morning so i hope you listen for that i'm sure tom's getting a lot of advice from people on what to do after retirement oh yeah everybody has uh, some words of wisdom yeah and everybody has a different take on it there was uh, there was a fantastic article that was in the tribune this past week that they did on Tom, on Tom's career, his life growing up uh, in Aurora and uh, you know, making phone calls to Harry Volkman when he was a kid uh, to talk weather. <laughs> his whole career, life and career is encapsulated in this wonderful article. You can look at ChicagoTribune.com if you missed it. But one of the things in there was uh, Mark Sapalsa. You know, former Chicago news anchor, formerly WGN-TV, one of the greatest we've ever had in the city, who retired himself Mm -hmm. uh, not long ago, who offered advice to Tom by saying, don't make any decisions quickly. Wait at least six months. Six months, I think he said, to a year before you make any major decisions. That seems like really good advice to me. Yeah. You don't want to rush it. Step back. Think about it. Yeah, relax. Relax. See how things go. Yeah. Like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, So what I want to do is open up the phone lines right now. Many of you I know listening have retired already. And what kind of just, you know, retirement advice would you give to anybody who's getting ready to go to the next phase of their life? And my question is, what kind of advice do you have for anyone who is getting ready to retire? I know many of you have done it. What have you done well? What do you wish you had done differently? 312-981-7200. Michael, how about you? Well, good morning, Dean. Um, I just uh, appreciate you taking my call. Um, I told your producer I've been in the credit and collection field for 35 years. And um, I just wanted to say that if you're considering retirement, one of the most important things that you look at is having an emergency fund and funds available in case you have health problems or um, anything like that or family emergencies or, you know, so that you're not retiring on the broke side as such. Or you need right. cash um, to live on and an emergency fund will be very helpful. Is there some kind of formula that you should have 
X number of dollars well, times X number of years, something like that. I I, um, I, I have no question, idea. But. Because I would think that you should always have money for at least one to two house payments a month and also have like maybe one to two car payments on reserve if mm-hmm. you have a car loan that you have out there. Because you don't want to end up in a collection agency team. That's the no. worst place in the world. And I've worked the whole gamut from collection agency to bank to credit union, and um, it's just, um, you just want to be financially solvent enough. You know how to pay your bills when you're ready for retirement, because you may be looking at less money from Social Security than you were making um, when you were in the workforce. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, yeah. that's so true, and we always hear these you know nightmare stories from time to time of uh, people who went into retirement, suddenly they're on fixed incomes, and something unfortunate right. comes up, you know, a health issue or something, and yeah. uh, you know, suddenly they're 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 living, uh, you know, at a completely different level than they did while they were uh, actually employed. Exactly. Yeah, because you don't want people, you know, bill collectors calling you and and uh, having debts follow you down the road as such. You want to be able to be out of that. You want to be able to enjoy your life in retirement. Yeah. The uh, you know? well, I, 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 Tom, I'm sure is uh, pretty financially set. I don't know if you know oh, this. Yeah. Tom, yeah. Uh, all these 45 years, Tom actually paid WGN to work there, not the other way around. <laughs> Uh, that's how much he enjoyed it. So he's a great guy, and I live in Aurora, and I hope everybody oh. is listening to him this morning. There you go. Uh, nice of you to you call know, up. Great to talk to you, Dean. I sure appreciate you taking my call. My sir. pleasure. Thank you very much for the, for the call at six three zero area code. Uh, Dean, the beautiful thing about retirement is that it's given me the opportunity to catch up on all the Doogie Hauser episodes I missed while. While I was working, that I would think that that you know just having having the option, whether it's Doogie Hauser or whatever it is, to have the option to do whatever you want to do, seems like one of the most attractive things to me about uh, retirement or you know the, moving on to a new phase, whatever you want to call it. Uh, to not have deadlines, to not you know to just be able to say. I'm going to do this, this, and this today, or I'm not going to do one thing. I'm going to watch Doogie Hauser. That that seems super attractive uh, to me. The 708 area code says, I dislike the word retirement. I believe we move to a new chapter in our life. See, I just said that. Uh, I also believe that you should have at least two different careers. I did use the same skills. I worked in industry. I taught high school I volunteer with uh, teens. So sounds like the, this person is saying, you know, keep busy, uh, use your skills. Um, here is the 847 uh, area code saying, uh, most important thing, keep busy. Keep busy during retirement. I remember my mother saying that when she uh, retired. My mother was uh, a cashier, kind of accountant, not exactly an accountant, but uh, she she worked uh, you know behind the desk for many really her whole life, and when she retired, she just had planned on not doing anything, cooking, you know, doing her little favorite hobbies, and she got so bored, uh, she went back to work part time. She said, "I have to keep busy." I talked to a friend of mine who retired uh, not long ago, moved to California with the intention of not doing anything. And he said, I learned that I am a very social person, 
and uh, I need to have that kind of socialization. He went back to work on a, a part-time basis. But I think it's like not – it's about having your options to work less, to not you know go crazy the way a lot of us do. Uh, here's the 312 area code saying, it's great to not set my alarm to wake me up anymore. Oh, would that be fantastic. One of the moving songs from the soundtrack of Billy Elliot, the musical, that is uh, currently playing at the Paramount Theater in downtown Aurora. I'm going to go out there tonight and see the show. Give you my review tomorrow on Bob Surratt's show. Between 8 and 8.30 on our segment that we normally do. And, of course, on the WGN-TV morning news. I'll show you some of the show uh, as well. Looking forward uh, to that. I am really looking forward to the show. Music by Elton John of this show. So this comes with, uh, you know, an amazing pedigree. It won 10 Grammy Awards when it was on Broadway. But it's been here in Chicago. Remember when we... uh, This was uh, 2000... 2005, I believe it was, that uh, they opened the show here in Chicago, and uh, Elton John came in for the opening. I interviewed him on the red carpet. I talked to the two young men who alternated playing the role of uh, Billy Elliot in the show, you know, because of union rules, you can't overwork uh, a minor uh, like that. So they alternate the roles so the kids can get a little bit of rest. And these kids were just amazing uh, of, you know, the, the training that they have to go through, the precision ballet dancing that they have to do in the show, in addition to all the acting, the singing, um, you know, the, everything that uh, goes along with it. Uh, it's it's quite, the, uh, quite the feat. To, for a child especially, you know, a young, young man in this case, to be in the show. And I believe there are two actors who are alternating the role of Billy uh, out at the Paramount. And we'll be talking with them in, in weeks to come here on the ra- uh, radio and also on uh, television as well. Uh, but it is just a fantastic show. It's a story about an extremely blue-collar community in uh, England, uh, they are, uh, it, it's a shipping town, I believe, that's about to go on strike. And, uh, you know, th- this, it's just expected that if you are a male, that you will go into that, uh, you know, d- work. But young Billy comes along and he develops an interest in dancing and ballet dancing on top of it. And uh, doesn't know how to tell his uh, family, his father, especially, because he doesn't think that, his father will be approving of him, you know, having an interest in ballet dancing and learning ballet and going to schools for it and so forth. So it's the story of, uh, you know, trying to uh, be true to yourself and doing what it is that you love. Uh, that's what the show is uh, about and told with beautiful songs and stunning, stunning choreography. Uh, so we'll tell you much more about Billy Elliot, the musical, as we... Uh, uh, tomorrow, as, as a matter of fact, I'll give you reviews on that. Now, I also wanted to uh, open up the phone lines for something that we do every once in a while. Uh, we don't, we probably don't do it often enough, where uh, we talk about uh, productions that are going on on the non-professional level, uh, and this this would mean um, you know volunteer 
kind of uh, productions uh, that are going on, community productions, and uh, school productions of plays, of musicals, etc. Last night, I went to Maine East High School to see their production of the musical Something's Rotten, also a Tony Award winner. And uh, these high school kids just put their heart and soul into the show. And, uh, you know, it was an enjoyable night of watching, you know, tomorrow's uh, talents uh, being developed. Uh, I I was there for a couple of reasons. One, I I enjoy it when I can, when I have time, uh, going to see, you know, shows like that. But uh, one of the other main reasons that I went last night was that the director of the show, uh, Karen Hall, uh, who has been at Maine East for, I believe, 24 years. Speaking of retirement, with Tom Skilling's retirement, Karen Hall uh, is retiring after 24 years of uh, being in charge of the theater department out at Maine East. Karen Hall happens to be the daughter. I've known her forever, it seems like. Uh, she is the daughter of... Um, Al Hall, who was the longtime director, producer of The Bozo Show on Channel 9, in addition to a whole variety of other uh, television shows uh, through the years that we all grew up with on WGN-TV. Al Hall uh, was a a terrific guy, uh, you know, one of the the most uh, interesting people that I think I've ever met. And through the years, through different events, Uh, Got to know his wife, Rita, and got to know their daughter, Karen. Karen developed an interest in the theater and uh, went to work at Maine East, directing their theater department. And uh, I've seen, you know, several of their shows, and now she is calling it quits. So I went to see her final show last night, Uh, Something's Rotten. So that was a lot of fun. But here's here's what I want to do. Congratulations to Karen. But uh, I want to open up the phone lines to find out which productions your kids are involved in uh, out there. Which, what other uh, you know productions are, are going on right now? I know Something's Rotten will play today and then again next weekend, and then it'll close. But if uh, your kids, maybe your grandkids, are in a production of something, or you know maybe, maybe there's a group of seniors that are putting on shows uh, someplace out there. I get, occasionally I get, an email or something saying, hey, can you give a mention to such and such a show that's going on right now? And sometimes we have time to do it and sometimes we don't. Depends on what else is going on in the theater world in Chicago. We try to mention them whenever we can. But I like to hear about uh, some of the shows that uh, your your kids, your acquaintances are involved in. And uh, 1048, our Week in Theater segment continues. Sponsored by Chicago Shakespeare Theater's Richard III. Currently going on. That's entertainment. Tom Skilling in studio with us. Coming up after 11 o'clock. Two straight hours with the legend himself. Looking forward to that, but not before I talk to some of you about theater that's going on that we might not have heard of. Uh, I went to a high school production last night of Something's Rotten at Maine East, which is going on uh, today and then again next weekend. I want to find out what uh, productions 
you may be involved in, your kids, your grandkids, uh, some of the smaller productions that are out there. For example, uh, texted in to me, Glenbrook North uh, is in uh, Northbrook is uh, presenting One Acts today. The 2024 student written and directed One Acts will take place at 3 o'clock today. So these are shows that are not only uh, performed by students, but also written by students, and they're one-act uh, shows. So, you know, they're going to go by uh, pretty quickly. It's five bucks for a ticket. You can go to showtix4u.com, showtix the number four, you.com. Cheryl, how about you? What do you want to recommend? Oh, I want to tell you about our production of Willy Wonka. Oh. We, um, we have a not-for-profit called A Special Place, and we've been a not-for-profit since 2012, and we've been doing different productions. Um, everything from Beauty and the Beast and Lion King, and this year it's Willy Wonka. We have a cast of over 40 special needs kids, and I have to tell you, they can sing. We have our main characters are amazing. That's amazing. So um, how how would you describe the uh, the age group of the kids that are involved? And is it uh, the Willy Wonka, sort of like the Gene Wilder uh, Willy Wonka that that we know? (laughs) Yes, it's the lighter version. There isn't any like darkness in yes. this because no, I not not not, like not the Johnny happy. Depp version. Yeah, right. <laughs> yes, and um, the ages really go from eighteen to thirty. Oh wow! Um, I I started this when my son was like fourteen, and it, we just grow with the kids that um, um, are part of it. Um, and it's in Naperville on March. First and second, okay. um, our Friday night has sold out, but we have lots of tickets available for our ten o'clock matinee at Alleluia Church. All right, and this uh, give me the dates one more time. Um, well, I'm going to give you March second because that Saturday show at ten o'clock okay. is available, and it's at the church Alleluia. We rent space there. The address is 4055 Book Road in Naperville. In Naperville. That sounds like it's fantastic. I appreciate you calling in to tell us about it. Thank you so much. Yeah, come join us. Yeah, I'm going to try to. I'm going to check my calendar and see if I can join you because uh, I, I love uh, you know seeing these shows where you, where you see the the young actors and actresses just really pouring their hearts into the roles. <laughs> It's, thank you. Your ticket very, will be waiting. Okay, I'll let you know. Thank you. Appreciate <laughs> the call. Let's, let's go to Dave next. Uh, Dave, you have, uh, what, a daughter-in-law involved in a show? Yeah, that's right, Dean. Um, first of all, let me say I really love your show. Oh, thank you. Uh, secondly, she, <laughs> she hasn't announced uh, the show for this year, but last year they did The Adams Family. Oh, great. And uh, this is at the... Shanahan Middle School. Shanahan's a little town southwest of Joliet. Okay. Um, and they are so good. Uh, the kids are mostly like the sixth and sixth to eighth grades is what they are. And um, <laughs> they did a great job. That uh, Cousin It was fabulous. He did, <laughs> he did have a speaking part, of course, but. Um, everybody, Gomez was perfect, and 
uh, the girl who played Morticia was, they were all just wonderful. Yeah. And she's done Annie and the Adams Family and can't remember the, the other one she did, but those kids do a terrific job. And it's not expensive to go, and you can go and uh, sit there and enjoy the whole thing. It's very good. Uh, she gets like a kit from the producers right. that includes the music and all that. So, yeah the the schools uh, the schools I guess you would say lease it, uh, and, and then they get this kit. So they can put on the show according to the specifications of the uh, producers of the show. That's, That's my understanding of how that works. That's so yeah. great. That's so great. It's uh, yeah. Those kids. Those kids really. <laughs> they put everything into it. It's really yeah. amazing. That's been my experience when I've gone to see these. I appreciate the call, Dave. Thank you so much. You're very welcome, Dean. Thank you. Have a great day. Eight four seven area code says. Evanston High School is putting on Matilda in April. New Trier High School is doing Footloose in March. And Glenbrook High Schools, North and South, are doing the musical called The Prom in March or April. So uh, there are three really good suggestions of uh, shows to go and see. Uh, Let me see here. Let me go over to uh, David on our phone line. 312-981-7200. 312-981-7200. David, you're on WGN. Hello. Hi. Good morning, Dean. Thank you for taking my call. I'm, I'm actually down in Texas now, Uh-oh. and I listen, I listen to your show every Sunday, and I just want to applaud you for bringing this up. Um, these kids, regardless of whether the show's in the Chicagoland area or, you know, like me down in Texas, they're just so amazing and yeah. talented, and they work so hard, and not just the performers, but the set designers and, um, and the teachers just do a, an amazing job. But my local high school, I actually thought of you just the other weekend. My local high school put on a production of uh, Mama Mia. Okay. And one of my favorite cranky Uncle Dean memories that still makes me <laughs> chuckle is just oh. how much you despise the, the movie. The movie version. <laughs> the, I love the stage yeah. version, but that first movie was horrific. Yes. I know, I know. I, I haven't seen it because of your recommendation, but I've, I've heard it's not great. But the musical's yeah. wonderful, and just want to let you know, down in Texas, we're still thinking of you and, and chuckling <laughs> at cranky Uncle Dean moments. That's hilarious. You know, even I even got Pierce Brosnan to admit that it was awful. You know, he had a role in it <laughs> and should not have been singing. And so, you know, I, well, the next time I interviewed him, I, I asked him if he was going to be singing in his next movie. And he goes, oh, no, absolutely. I shouldn't have been singing in that movie. <laughs> so even he admitted it. So it wasn't just me. What part of Texas uh, are you calling from, David? I'm in the Dallas-Fort Worth metro area. We're in a town called Grapevine, Texas. Okay. How do you like it down there? Well, it's going to be 80 degrees on Wednesday, oh, okay. so All not right. too bad. All right. Well, thanks for rubbing it in. I appreciate it. <laughs> My friends call me in the summer, though, and rub it in when it's That's uh, right. it's hot, so hot outside. You can't even breathe outside. Exactly right. Well, I'm glad you're listening in Texas. We really appreciate it. Very, very nice of you. And, uh, yeah, Mama, I, I saw a production of Mamma Mia at Maine East uh, last year, the year before, something like that. And I'm telling you what, these kids... They put their heart and soul. Just makes me think 
What was I doing when I was in high school? I wasn't. These kids, <laughs> right? these kids are like so dedicated and hard work, and you know, I was barely staying awake during that whole period. Dave, thanks oh, for the God. call. The opening song, my my jaw was on the ground when, yeah. when the young kids started singing. Just amazing. So yeah. support your local high school for there, sure. There Thank you, you go. Dave. Appreciate the call. Thank you. Here's uh, the two six nine area code, Mean Girls as being performed at Portage Central High School in Portage, Michigan, and is fabulous. Uh, next production, well, the, the last performance is today, and then they're going to do Harry Potter, the Cursed Child next year, Portage Central High School, Portage, Michigan. You know, I've watched people do this before, and uh, there's no uh, formula for this. I'm going to retire uh, at the end of February after a marvelous 45 years at this incredible television station and at your side. Um, you know, I'm going on 72 or I will be mm-hmm. in February. And uh, let me tell you something. We all get to the point where you have to make a decision. Is it time to retire? Um, and it's the toughest decision I can tell you about. And that was uh, October of last year. And uh, now we are getting down to the wire as Tom Skilling wraps up a phenomenal career at WGN-TV after 45 years and is so generous to come in to join us here for the next two hours this morning. Tom, we've been saying that we were going to do this. I know. Probably for about most of those 45 years to come and be on the radio show like this. And, you know, life gets in the way and things come up. Doesn't it? But I, uh, here you are. You know what, Dean? Well, first of all... Um, I, you know, I've been down here to the radio station uh, since the move was made to this facility only once. Yeah. And it was a couple of years ago, and I, I was trying to think wh- what I was here for. We were feeding something to the Weather Channel, some audio or something, and found out the best way to do it was through here. But what a studio. I, I You know, your listeners ought to see what we're looking at here. We overlook the Chicago River and Lake Michigan, and it's a gorgeous day. And, Dean, to be with you, I, I'll tell you something. You know, we've talked about getting together for dinner, yep. and uh, we haven't done that. Uh, maybe we'll start doing that now, no, they, you know, no, they, well, a little more time. Yeah, not, well, I mean, <laughs> you, you take, uh, you know, Tom, who starts, he wakes up, and he's on the computers, working on his weather and i'm in california or new york or you know someplace in, well you in, interviewing you the, are the hardest working person in this business i i don't know how you do what you do you're up in the morning on the morning show which in and of itself is a phenomenon that broadcast phenomenon that you guys <laughs> all produce in the mornings um and dean my gosh you're you're previewing movies and all and flying all over the universe well i i say that i say that only that that, you know that's why we haven't had time and i think that's why uh, this is part of the my bittersweet feeling about you retiring i'm so happy for you that you'll be able to relax a little bit Uh, of course we're going to miss you on the air tremendously nobody does it like you but i'm so happy that you'll be able to do things now you'll have time to do things that you want to do and <laughs> that make you happy uh i i hope i hope that's what's going to happen I, you know dean this is um strange uh uncharted territory for me i worked since i was a teenager and the idea of not working and having a regular routine is is very strange i don't know how this will all work out it's a work in progress 
But, you know, uh, Dean, I'll tell you, I started having some vertigo spells a couple months ago. And that traffic driving in, uh, I start in the morning at 8 o'clock, and then I'm usually done with my research and heading into the station at 3.30, right at the height of traffic. And I, one day it just got to the point that I thought, I, I've got to change something yeah. in this life. You know, yeah. when if you ever had vertigo, I mean, when this is where the world starts spinning all of a sudden with no advance warning, um, you, 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 you literally can't stand up. And you figure it's your body telling you maybe it's time to slow down a little bit. So that's where we're at. But having said that, I hope to continue um, doing some things with this station. And, uh, you know, I love the weather. My passion for the weather has always been there. My parents could never figure out what they had done wrong to get somebody so interested in the weather. This started at what age? I don't – I can't give you an age. I just know it's always been there. You know, I used to have paper roots as a kid. And I go through the instrument catalogs, weather instrument catalogs, and dream about. I even I even wanted to put a bedroom radar set in, and I wrote the Bendix Corporation. Now this is as a teenager who's earning three dollars a week with a paper route. You know? So that's how you know you talk about being naive. Uh, I tell young people who've come through our office, I said, be too dumb to know you're not supposed to be able to do what you want to do and go for it, you know, and try, and you never know what may come of the whole thing. But, um, my gosh, it's led to a heck of a career. Now, and, you, as as a kid, yeah. you were you were doing what kind of what I was doing. I was being a pretend radio sure, DJ. Sure, sure. And you were doing actual weather forecasts with whatever materials that you could find. And wound up on WKKD. That's right. In Aurora, uh, one of the, one of the two radio stations in Aurora. In Aurora, yeah. And I worked at the other one, WMRO. Not at the same time, but I, yeah. I came uh, later on. Yeah. But it's so funny that our paths kind of I know al- almost crossed out there. But you were doing weather forecasts as a teenager, right? On on the radio. Well, let me tell you how that came into being. I, you know, I was born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I don't remember it. Only lived there two years. My folks are natives of Western Pennsylvania, and then my dad was a mechanical engineer by trade. Um, he sold large industrial valves to uh, power plants and to water treatment facilities. And he was transferred from Pittsburgh out to New York City and did the commute into New York for 13 years. And so we I grew up uh, in those years in New Jersey. And I as a young kid interested in the weather, you didn't have internet access in those days. Um, so the only source of real-time weather information you had were t- newspaper weather maps. And then there was a publication that came out of Washington, D.C. from the superintendent of documents. They called it the Daily Weather Map. It was a beautiful thing. They had a surface weather map, uh, upper air charts in it, uh, uh, the plots of the rain and uh, temperature and so forth that had occurred around the country. When I lived in New Jersey, I could get that the next day. It was mailed from Washington, and you got it in the mail the next day. When we moved out here, my dad was transferred out to Aurora uh, with Henry Pratt Company, of all where that terrible shooting was a couple yeah, years ago. Right. And um, uh, it, it, this was quite a transition. I realized... Uh, I was more a Midwesterner than I was an Easterner. I, you know, the whole lifestyle here was so different and so much more attractive to me. But I found that that weather map publication I got arrived four days late. Mm. So 
So, so I, I, I thought, well, what am I going to do about this? And I sat down and wrote what I'm told was an eight-page letter to WKKD, <laughs> with, uh, claiming, uh, you know, having the audacity to suggest I do a better weather forecast for them in Aurora than they were getting from Chicago, forty miles away. <laughs> and you know, I think. I wasn't very sure myself, so I look back and then I think the audacity of this kid to, you know, even presuppose, uh, make that proposition to a radio station. But I, the goal was to get some weather maps. Yeah. So the program director, a fellow by the name of Rusty Tim and I, drove into Woodlawn Avenue, the University of Chicago campus, which is where the then Weather Bureau hadn't been renamed the National Weather Service at that point, did the forecast for Indiana, Illinois, and Wisconsin all came out of that office. And then there was a public service office downtown here in the federal building. So we went in and we sat down with a fellow by the name of Joe Folks, who is the meteorologist in charge of the Chicago forecast office. And uh, I said, is there any chance of getting some weather maps? And he said, well, he thought about it for a second, and he said, if you pre-address and stamp envelopes for us, uh, and if the radio station will pay for the reproduction of the weather maps that they were plotting in office, uh, they had an aviation desk, a public desk, so they would plot weather maps in the office down there and zero, or reproduce them on a Bruning architect diagram machine and provide copies to each of these desks. And then they would run an extra copy off and put it in the envelope and send it out to me. And that's how I got my weather maps. And, you know, years mm. later, when we were doing the Chicago Tribune weather page, I we brought four 40-year veterans of the Weather Service, uh, one of whom was Paul Daly, who was head of the office here in Chicago for a long time. But some of these guys remembered packing up these maps, and they told me there were only two sets of maps sent out of the Chicago office every day. One went to Argonne National Laboratory, <laughs> and the other one went to, to, this, to Tom Skilling. And they, <laughs> they said, everybody in the office said, who's this Tom Skilling that we're sending these maps to? Well, it was a 14-year-old kid. But, you know... They, it's it's one of the many examples of the way the National Weather Service uh, has fostered the career of uh, young people who are interested in the weather, and I, uh, it changed my life. So I started, uh, I did a, a broadcast every morning in high school before I went to school, and uh, would go down to the post office and pick up these maps, and then I'd update it in the afternoon, and that began my broadcast weather career. I had never That's intended so to go crazy. into broadcasting. I I thought I'd work for the weather service yeah. didn't you also used to call harry volkman yes on the phone there was the yeah. channel five weatherman yeah oh uh, yeah another legend in chicago but uh, a yeah. young tom skilling would what would you say to him what, 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 well it was funny uh, you know in those days you paid long that was long distance call from aurora <laughs> in here that's true yeah. and we were issued strict guidance in the skilling household that you did not make long distance calls but i would sneak a call into harry and tell him what the high and low temperature was and how much it had rained or snowed and uh, uh we later uh, later came in and visited harry at the merchandise mark when he was working at uh, channel five uh, I was talking to Eddie Volkman just the other day. His son, yeah, who of course, right. has a radio career. Right, right. And uh, uh, and then I, in later years, I visited John Coleman. I used to come down and visit. I had a friend who said, you know, watch this Coleman uh, character. He does. I thought, well, he's kind of a clown. But uh, <laughs> the, my friend said he does, you know, incredible amount of weather. He put satellite images on for the first time on yeah. television and radar. 
and so I started watching John, and um, I would visit him as well. And it was amazing. We, we'd get together after our respective 10 o'clock shows when I started working here in Chicago and uh, uh, sit and talk. He'd come with his artist, Pam Penniston, and then he'd be up all night getting ready for Good Morning America and his weather feed there. But he was frustrated by the lack of time he had on the air. And I said to him, you know, John, one day there's going to be a cable TV operation where oh. they do weather 24 hours. Oh. And he looked at me. Two two weeks later, he said, you know that cable TV weather operation? I've been working on that for the last two years. And he, you know, he spent years putting the weather channel together. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so it was fascinating. Isn't yeah. that something? Yeah. Uh, we're we're going to talk with uh, Tom and reminisce, and we've got some tapes <laughs> of uh, from, from your past uh, oh my. coming up. And tons <laughs> of phone calls as well, 312 312- Nine eight one seven two hundred. Tom, you're on WGN with Tom Skilling. Good morning, Tom. Um, Hello, my name is Tom. Tom Phillips. Yes. Uh, first of all, my father worked at the Illinois Equine Hospital, and because of that, we used to bring out brand new students out to Fermi Lab. Oh, yes. Remember any of this? That was the first time I ever met you. Oh, the second time my father was there. I was driving my father because he had a small eye irritation. He oh. says, Tommy, Tommy, I'm not a little kid, Tommy. We're <laughs> going to go see a guy named Tom Skilling. I said, oh, Dad, I cannot wait to shake the man's hand. He says, what are you going to say to him? I said, Dad, i, I got to have something nice. So my dad and I were driving down Eola Road. Yeah. Off a of ferry road. Sure. We got to the check-in point, <laughs> but we had to go all the way around. Now, when I was a young person... We were picking up the kids right before they closed down that whole area to lock it down for a Fermi lab, okay? Yes. We thought that, that that was very dangerous, but it wasn't. My dad said this. You know that Tom Skilling? I says, yes. He says, we rely on him, Tom, for the forecast around the area for harvesting. He says, dad, I says, okay, Dad. I says, what is it? He says, I want you to tell Tom Skilling that he's a human Weather vane, an HWV. <laughs> now watch this, an HWV. If you take the W and you go downward, now it's WGN. Isn't that something? Wow. Now listen, do you now when I I approached you, what time? What when do you think that would have happened possibly in your history of going out there, please? Well, you know what you're talking about. And first of all, Tom, it's great to talk to another Tom. Uh, and how nice. And uh, I'm very fascinated for, by your... I'll only have people named Tom on the show. I, oh, today. this is marvelous. I, you know, they're not naming people Tom anymore. What's up with that? I know. Not right. It's crazy. But, Tom, you know, we what you're talking about are our Fermilab tornado seminars. And uh, we start, we did those for 37 years. Um, what a marvelous venue. Uh, there's a beautiful auditorium there on the the grounds of the Fermilab National Accelerator Lab. And uh, I had a fellow who was an NIU student um, who called me up and said, what would you think about uh, in the early 80s? Uh, what would you think about us doing a tornado seminar to talk about severe weather? And I said, I think it sounds like a great idea. So we started doing that. And for 38 years, 
We brought uh, the who's who of the severe weather research and forecast community through those seminars. And I thank you for uh, uh, showing up. Um, I To this day, I have people come up to me and say, boy, we went to your Fermilab tornado seminars. Just, Tom, like you and your dad and your family members, um, that was amazing. Yeah. Everybody who participated in that was had fun with that. And the audiences that we'd have for that would just we marveled at that that people would take time out of their busy weekends to come out and hear us talk about severe weather those uh, those were legendary your fermi lab uh oh. visits there were legendary mary you're on wgn with tom skilling hi hi good morning hi mary uh, hi. hi tom <laughs> i'm so excited uh i i'll be brief i just want to say uh you get me through the Nine o'clock news at night. I'm a big WGN fan, and I just want to say well-deserved retirement. Enjoy yourself. And I hope one day I could say I'm retired. Well, I'll tell you, you'll get there, Mary. Uh, first of all, you're very sweet. Thank you very much. Uh, that, you're welcome. You know, I tell everybody, Mary, if nobody watches us in our line of work, we don't have a job. So uh, uh, yeah. thank you for my job yeah. and uh, for your loyal viewership all these years. We appreciate your call and every, everyone. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Mary. No, I wanted to say I start from 6 a.m. in the oh. morning with Bob Surratt, and I gotcha. listen most of the day. Um, you know, I, I'm a little, I'm a little handicapped. I had an accident. So w, WGN people are my company. Oh, nice. Well, I, well, Bob Surratt is, is, is terrific. I've admired Bob's work for years and how nice yeah. of you to be a loyal uh, listener and viewer of WGN. Thank you for and that, so, Mary. It's so nice to Dean, talk to you. Dean is great, too. Yes. Dean, you're great. I was feeling left out for a minute, <laughs> no. so I appreciate that. No, never. The, <laughs> I listen every Sunday. We, we appreciate Thank it very much. So Thank you for the call. 312-981-7200. Dean Richards, Chicago's WGN Radio 720. What will we do without you, Tom Skilling? Your joyful, brilliant, delightful self, bringing us the weather daily. Ah, you will be so missed, but I know all good things ahead for your kind soul. Happy retirement, my friend. That is the great Bonnie Hunt, wishing you all of the best as well. You know, Dean, I had a chance to have uh, dinner with uh, Bonnie. She's a sweetheart. She is. You know, she's out in L.A., and I guess uh, the Cubs fans uh, get together for dinner out there. (laughs) Right. So, uh, Well, she gets back here fairly often as well. You know, she was here. Her mom uh, passed away a couple of years ago now, but uh, she was here taking care of her mom nonstop. I, I hadn't uh, realized her mom had passed away. Yeah. I, I remember we talked about that. Yeah. Yeah. Her family is uh, in the uh, like northwest uh, side, Park Ridge area. So she's in town uh, all the time. I got together with her. I was in L.A. a couple of weeks ago and we had dinner. That's and so nice. uh, we just had uh, a lovely time. But she sends her love to you. And How nice. Was nice enough to uh, record a little something for you as well. Don't you find that uh, when you meet people like that, um, uh, you think they're, you know, they're famous and uh, they, they won't know who you are and maybe they're unapproachable. Uh, nothing could be further from the truth. Uh, you find, I'm sh- sure, find that all the time. Well, I am just, unapproachable. So. Well, well, I, you know. Uh, <laughs> 
the truth can be told now that uh, no, you Any, are, anyone you who are said, anything but that. Anyone uh, who's run into me at the grocery store on no. Saturday morning knows you are. Such it ain't a pretty. Delight. Let's just say that. No, I'll tell you something. You know, Dean, you work so hard, uh, and you're such a pleasure and so approachable. I hope people realize that's not true. I want uh, to. Uh, I want to talk about what. Uh, what a what a day in the life of Tom Skilling has huh. been like. Tom Skilling joins WGN, becomes a member of the News 9 team. And Tom, I hope you're as happy about it as we are. Jack, it's indeed a pleasure to work with such a group of professionals here at WGN and in one of the most exciting weather markets probably in the whole United States. We've had our share of unusual weather not only... Listen to you, the young boy. <laughs> Coming to WGN, that was your very first time on it WGN, was. 1978. Do you, do you know, uh, Dean, how that happened? I, uh, I've i been working in Milwaukee, and I got a call from Jack Jacobson, who was the operations director at WGN, and he said, uh, look, he said, uh, uh, our general manager has a place in Lake Geneva, and he's watched you on Milwaukee television, and we wondered if you'd come down and do a couple of weekend weather shows, and uh, there might be a job at it uh, oh, wow. at the end of the road for you if this works out. And if not, you can say, well, I did a couple of uh, shows in the Chicago market. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't think I was ready. Um, I thought, boy, I'm pretty young. And I called my friend John Coleman, and I said, you know, John, I just had an offer from WGN, but I, I don't think I'm going to do it. Because uh, I don't think I'm ready. And he said, uh, do it. He said, they've been looking for a year. And uh, you're the first one I hear who they've offered a chance to do it, um, you know, work at WGN. So I came down here. I was terrified. I did uh, two weekend weather shows. And uh, Jack Jacobson got on the line Monday and said, uh, how'd you like to come to work for us? Wow. And that was how the job uh, uh, came into being. So it's it's quite interesting. I was thinking about how your job predicting the weather has changed oh, in these 45 years. I remember stunning. when I first started seeing you running down the halls with <laughs> reams and reams of paper, paper. maps, and oh, yeah. uh, you and your staff uh, put it, put, uh, manually putting things together. Oh, yeah. And what it's like now, how it's changed. Oh, Revolution. I, I tell the young people who come through our office that uh, the last 50 years have seen uh, uh, a greater advancement in the science of meteorology than uh, probably in all the time back to Aristotle, 340 B.C., who wrote the first treatise on meteorology that started the whole uh, the whole science. Uh, it, it was called Meteorologica. And all that time, you know, from Aristotle up to about a half century ago, I mean, uh, the progress was interesting. But um, think what's happened since then. Last Doppler radar, uh, satellite. I went to school at the University of Wisconsin, uh, which is the birthplace of satellite meteorology. And we sat in classrooms and for the first time watched uh, landfalling hurricanes and thunderstorm complexes develop in real time. We had never seen that before. And all I could think was, wow, if you could bring this to television, this would be something. But you realize with the advent of the satellite, uh, we were able to look down on the 70% of the planet that's uh, ocean and therefore poorly observed. And they came up with techniques up at uh, the university there uh, for uh, identifying the moisture through the atmosphere. And also we could feed that into computer models that then run physics equations and uh, look at the evolution of the atmosphere and tell us how the weather is going to unfold. 
So it's it's been an amazing time. Yeah. Do you know they used to think that the weather office of the future would be a football stadium filled with a bunch of accountants and mathematicians with slide rules, and that uh, they'd all work in teams on equations, and at the end of the process, there'd be a numerical weather forecast, and they figured there'd be about 40,000 mathematicians. They couldn't have imagined um, the kind of computing power that we have now. You know, we run our computer models on machines that do quadrillion operations per second. Wow, that's amazing. And, and next year, uh, they're going to put online at uh, Argonne a computer that will do 2 billion billion operations per second. Wow. And among the things they'll be able to do is they'll be able to map the human circulatory system, how our brain works. We'll run climate models with a resolution that one could only dream about. Uh, and this will help in uh, figuring out how cancer spreads. Amazing, uh, yeah. And, and it, these it, machines are just stunning. It's amazing when we're having, uh, you know, uh, storm systems, possible blizzard-like yeah. uh, conditions, tornadoes. When you guys and gals in the late in the weather department take over the airwaves, <laughs> uh, and and we're able to see everything that's going on thanks to the technology and all of your knowledge of uh, explaining it all to us, uh, that we can see it on our phones, that we were able to see much of this Stunning. that you have in your weather office now on our phone is uh, quite amazing. It, it really is. What, what is a typical day like for you? I know you, you said you wake up at 8 o'clock and you, you, start, you start looking at yeah. maps and things at, at home, right? Yeah, I sit in my bathrobe in my home weather office there, and I have four databases. I pull down uh, 40 different... Uh, model forecasts and uh, record the temperatures that are being predicted and all the rest. And then you average across them. We call that ensembling. Uh, and then you look at uh, how that collection of models has fared recently, what the accuracy has been, what the error rate has been, and you do a bias correction. Uh, and what, you, you know, it used to be uh, just Four decades ago, you had one medium-range model that went out maybe five to ten days, and you had another one that was a short-range model. Today, what they do is they run not one version of a model, but they take the whole set of observations from airplanes and buoys and satellites and uh, in-flight aircraft. And they uh, reinterpret the initial data and feed that into the computer. Um, to describe the initial state of the atmosphere, and then the machines go to work uh, with uh, fluid dynamics equations and physics equations and advance the atmosphere in tiny time steps into the future. Some models do it 75 seconds at a time, so they'll calculate the weather for the whole region 75 seconds ahead and then 75 seconds more and 75 seconds beyond that. And what emerges is a multi-day forecast um, which is is pretty amazing. Do you, do you know it's interesting? The movie Oppenheimer uh, recently was was quite interesting. The whole notion, um, uh, a fellow by the name of Alan Turing, a uh, brilliant UK mathematician, was the one who wrote a paper in the mid '30s and said, "You know, we could create machines given and given the proper instructions. These machines probably could solve any equation in the world." Uh, Turing was the one with the group that broke the German Enigma code in World War II, and uh, that probably ended the war uh, two years early and saved millions of lives, uh, the ability to read what the Germans were sending out to their U-boats and all. But um, it was based on his work that a guy by the name of John von Neumann, a Hungarian-American mathematician, worked at Princeton University to build this country's first mainframe computer. 
And Oppenheimer got wind of that, and he wanted to do calculations perfecting the atomic bomb. But von Neumann had escaped both the Nazis and the Russians, the Soviets, and uh, he felt, I think, that weather control was the ultimate weapon. So while Oppenheimer grabbed this computer and did the calculations by day, uh, von Neumann thought, boy, it's going to sit there dormant at night, so I'm going to put together a numerical modeling team to uh, forecast the weather. And so that's when numerical modeling left the abstract and uh, theoretical realm and started being uh, done in, in practice. The early models were terrible, but from them has emerged this whole set of models that has perfected hurricane forecasting, flood forecasting. Heaven only knows how many lives have been saved by timely weather forecasts, and it, they only continue to get better. Yeah, Debbie is on the phone line with Tom Skilling. You're on WGN. Hello. Hello. How are you? Hi, Debbie. Hi, Tom. I just wanted to wish you a happy birthday. Oh. We share the same birthday. Are you kidding? February 20th, huh? February 20th. So I'm you're a, a you're another Pisces, a, a Pisces person here. Yeah, we're cuspal. <laughs> yeah. Do you find... Do you find, Debbie, that uh, what they say about Pisces, the traits they attribute to us are accurate? I, I find them to be pretty accurate. Yes, I do as well. Well, happy birthday to you, and how nice to talk to you. Happy birthday to you. Thank you. And you're you. my favorite celebrity that I share my birthday with. How nice. <laughs> I'll tell you. Well, thank you. It's, it's always great to talk to another February 20th uh person debbie thank you for, thank you debbie. for the call james you're on wgn with tom skilling hi hey tom boy yeah. i've been following your career first off congratulations and happy birthday Th- thank um, you how nice and thank you for career. your loyal viewership and following uh, what i do thank you uh you you pay a you play a big part in uh, a lot of people's lives here in the chicago area huh. and that uh like i said i've uh, I followed your career, and because of you, you taught me about weather. I lost my fear of storms, and that, that got me into doing. I actually had uh, I'm a trained storm spotter. Jim Alsop is the one that uh, trained me way back. Wow! <laughs> yeah, he had the classes down there in in, in Aurora. He had it. Uh, yes, I, I, I did that too. Jim yeah. Alsop was I a, went to many. a National Weather Service yeah, meteorologist uh, who did the uh, storm training. Well, do you do? Are you a spotter now? A storm spotter? Not necessarily. I have spot here and there. It just depends. In the Chicago area, it's kind of tough to go storm chasing because there's too many houses and things <laughs> like that. But yes. I did, actually, I did. I was vacationing. And my daughter lives in Quincy, Illinois. There's a lot of open land out there. I yes. Chasing down. Yes. Uh, so, so, so not chasing, but but, 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 but spotting and that because you got wide open. And um, so I do that. And I did call them one time. I was vacationing. I was in uh, North Carolina, uh, and there was a, uh, actually it was a water spout, but I called wow. it in, and it ended up going on the land. So it ended up being low and EF zero. How cool. It was really, really, really small. But, yeah, but I went to many of your storm seminars. It was disappointing oh, when, after 38 years, you stopped doing them. Those I were know. wonderful. Those, I mean, those were – my daughter got to meet you. We went down the – at the in, in, in intermission there, and she got to go down there and meet oh, you nice. too. So I did get to meet you once. So, uh, but um, well, thank you uh, for I, I, coming. I just wanted to tell you, uh, yeah. thank you for everything, Tom. And I just uh, you're going to be missed. And the one last huh. thing is uh, a great choice on Demetrius. Your whole weather staff, yes. any of them could have taken your. Well, actually, no one's ever going to take to take your place. But the first time I saw Demetrius, 
on the new news, my jaw dropped. The way he did the weather, I said, that's the next time. I know. Because he does weather a lot like you do. So a great choice on uh, someone that's going to follow your footsteps. Well, I think so, too. You know, they uh, uh, they brought a a couple of people in, and I thought, gosh, I I hope they're not thinking of uh, somebody else. And uh, the boss called me and said, uh, we're announcing that Demetrius is our choice. And I said, oh, thank heavens. I said, I was afraid you were going to go with somebody else. I said, you made the right decision. He is one of the (laughs) nicest people and uh, an an incredible meteorologist. But, uh, well, thank you. I'll pass that on to Demetrius, too. I'm thrilled for Demetrius. Uh, this is a, yeah. you know, John Coleman used to say this is Broadway for weathermen uh, here, <laughs> and it really is. Um, th- this this city, I mean, our weather is fascinating around here. So anybody who has the privilege yeah. of being able to communicate that really has uh, quite an interesting uh, profession. Yeah, I'll tell quite you, that. A, quite a platform. Yeah. Jay, thank you for the call, James. We appreciate that. Thanks, Demetrius James. Ivory. Uh, your last day on the air will be February twenty eighth. Yes, and then Demetrius takes over as chief. Demetrius Ivory takes over as chief meteorologist. Yes, indeed. On the leap year day yes. on uh, February 29th. So we'll look forward to that. Yes. Eight four seven area code texts in. Uh, Tom, I've read that Illinois has more tornadoes than any other state. Is that true? It was uh, this past year. Uh, we led the pack. Uh, that hasn't always been the case, but we are an active tornado state. There are no two ways about it. And, uh, you know, we used to think um, we assigned uh, the Tornado Alley moniker to the Plain states and the far western Midwest. Turns out um, the area that's uh, most active are the Gulf Coast states, uh, the, the, the Gulf states and the southern states. But we in Illinois are no shrinking violets in the last year. I think the last count was we had 128, and I think the next closest state was Nebraska, and close behind it was Texas. And Texas is a much larger state, so it varies from year to year, but um, no question. What we've been finding as our climate continues changing is that uh, these storms are occurring earlier and they're occurring later. Uh, Examples of that are, gosh, we had a tornado out in the western suburbs uh, a couple of years ago, an F3, F4 that hit in Fairdale uh, early in the season. And then we had the Washington, Illinois tornado, that terrible storm near Peoria that um, destroyed half of the community. And that occurred in November. It was one of the latest uh, EF4 storms, intensity tornadoes. That's a top tier intensity ever to occur in Illinois. Uh, so. Yeah, it, uh, this is an active state for severe weather, no question. 616 area code. Tom, congratulations on your well-deserved retirement from a fan in Michigan. You are the Mr. Rogers of meteorology. <laughs> well, how nice. I could well, just see you walking into the weather center. Yeah. You you put your tennis shoes on. Yeah. You put your sweater on. It's a beautiful, if, if it's nice weather, yeah. it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Yeah. yeah. I, I always remember Eddie Murphy's takeoff on that, too. <laughs> you know, can, you could, uh, Mr. Rob, uh, Mr. Mr. Robinson's neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> it is a very special morning around here today. Tom Skilling in studio with us. 312-981-7200 is our phone number for uh, texting uh, questions and comments. And uh, also your phone calls, like this one from Paul. You're on WGN with Tom Skilling. Oh, thank you so much. It's it's great to talk to my uh, two favorite hair-challenged broadcasters. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. you know, uh, I keep telling Dean it's uh, it's all the brain activity. Well, it's right. burned the follicles out. Uh, that's, that's our right. story. Oh, We're going to. Are are you uh, follically challenged as well? Uh, getting there, but I still have some red hair. That's so good. I'm Enjoy still it. Still doing okay. Yeah. Well, thank. Um, you. It's, it's liberating. Good to Once you get to our point, it's liberating. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out in Woodstock. Just wanted to thank you so much oh, for coming out for Groundhog Day. That was uh, wonderful. What was a beautiful community. It, it it was such fun. You know, for years I've I've kind of kidded about the Groundhog and uh, the whole Groundhog Day phenomenon. But I'll tell you, to be there with Woodstock Willie and the marvelous <laughs> folks of Woodstock, uh, and to, I stayed in the inn there where the movie was shot. Yep. It's awesome. I told them I was going to take the mattress in the bed with me because it was so comfortable. Uh, it well, it you, was marvelous. You ran into somebody else. I don't, I don't think it was in Woodstock, but later that day, yeah. you ran into the star of the movie, uh, Groundhog Day, uh, Bill Murray. It was a great movie. I'll tell you how nice. To, congratulations to all of you. got some terrible weather. <laughs> I know. It was the worst winter ever. I know. You By were far, talking about it. wasn't even close. Oh, yeah. And McHenry County can have some real doozies up yeah. there. I'll tell you. Yeah. yeah. I'll tell you. Well, yeah. is it nice to meet you, nice Bill? To meet you I'll tell you. Too. Good to see you. And congratulations, congratulations on, on, all the good on an work. amazing career. Thank What's the you, forecast sir? for the evening? What are we going to see? Well, you know, we're all right. You know, the Groundhog did not see a shadow up in uh, Woodstock. This morning, so it's nice to have him having yeah. seen it right yeah, here. Luckily, yeah. <laughs> I'd love your pulling all the weather. You're see the light. It's all going to seem very bright to you. Yeah, yes, indeed. It's nice to meet you. Same here. Congratulations. Tom. I don't think we're going to have weather anymore. I don't see the point. I don't see the point of looking out the window anymore. Yeah, without Tom Skilling, what's the point of even looking out the window anymore? You know, he was really nice. Uh, it was funny because um, February 2nd was declared Harold Ramis Day. And, yeah. of course, Harold's the one who... The director uh, of the movie, yeah. Yeah, a Sen High School alum. And it, it's interesting because Steve Kahn, one of my weather service meteorologists, uh, who worked with us on when we were doing the Tribune page, and a 40-year veteran of the National Weather Service, was a Sen High School alum. Uh, Walter Jacobson was, too. Wow. Uh, so. Two of my my older brothers have been sent high school alums. Is that right? Well, I'll tell you, uh, he was really nice. Um, we found out that he was going to be down at Navy Pier, so we raced from Woodstock uh, down here, and what an interesting day that was. Started early in Woodstock, ended late in Navy Pier. Yeah, it's going to be uh, an incredible uh, few days uh, coming up and leading up to February 28th for oh. you, I would imagine. I don't even know how you're dealing with all of this. I appreciate Tom, Tom we love you. Um, and one of, one of the things, in addition to your, your weather abilities, is we've always loved the comedy bits you've been able to do oh. on the morning news. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we'll hear I mean, some Everybody of... talks about the one uh, you know where Pat Tomasulo yep. took it literally to yeah. on the station. but. <laughs> Tom freaking skilling, yeah. We'll, did a pet. we'll talk about the uh, origin of Tom freaking skilling uh, coming up. I can see why you'd be nervous giving a weather forecast with Tom <laughs> Skilling. Absolutely, right yes. I was nervous for you just now. <laughs> That's the nicest thing you've ever said to me, Dean. <laughs> you know, don't get used to it. <laughs> Dave, you're a pro. I'll Thank tell you, you something. Thank you so much, Tom. I, I've never heard a weather forecast presented any better than that, Dave. You <laughs> have nothing to worry about. I've <laughs> seen Dave Schwann do some crazy things over the years, including some uh, embarrassing photos that I have. Oh, uh, here we go uh, with the picture. Hidden of him. <laughs> but I have never seen you like you are today. You are totally fanboyed out by uh, coming in and uh, meeting Tom Skelling face-to-face wow. today. 
Dave, I feel the same way meeting you. I we've talked over the phone. Over we the have, years. yes, and yeah. you are one of the most genuine and nicest people. So, Dave, what a pleasure to meet you. It's I an know. honor, Tom. Well, Thank I'll, you. So I'll show much. you those Fine. pictures. I'll show you the pictures, Tom. <laughs> Your opinion will change and settle oh, them. Don't, Tom. I must give you. He, Dean is in the pictures too. So ah, it's not just it, me. yeah. They're, they're, the, these are photos, Tom, that are career-ending for either one of us. So. You know what, Dave? I, I work with a producer, Bill Snyder. He oh, tells sure. me he's coming out with a kiss and tell book that's going to really. And, uh, and there we have an audio guy. I call him NSA Paul because uh, he's got mics, uh, you know, everywhere. And he said, I've recorded you over the years. And, and I'll, you know, I'll yeah. have yawned or something and we'll be doing a promo and this tape will come on and be yawning and all. And I realize he really does have tapes. <laughs> so he said he's getting together with Snyder, the Kiss and Tell book oh and the audio oh clips. Boy. So Dave, you're in, you're safe with me because I've, I've got people trying to well, blackmail me too. <laughs> you know? So we'll all find a place to compare exactly. notes. Well, exactly. I, I haven't tried to blackmail him. I, I just told him that if anything ever happens to me before he calls the police, before the coroner, before anything, run to my house and go get those pictures because it will not be good for any of us. I don't think uh, any have evoked the kind of response that we have gotten this past week over the visit of our uh, pal Tom Skilling, retiring from WGN-TV after 45 years. Final night on the air will be uh, February 28th. And uh, so many uh, accolades uh, still to come. I was trying to remember when I first met you, Tom, and I think that it might have been, remember when we used to do the uh, muscular dystrophy yes. telethons overnight? I, yeah. we, they used to do them overnight right. at WGN, and you would be back in your weather office, and I would sneak back there, and you would show me whatever it <laughs> yes. was that you were doing, and... You know, I'm some dumb DJ from whatever station I was on then. You are not and, dumb. And I was just, uh, you know, thrilled to be with you and learning from you and, uh, you know, seeing everything that uh, you were doing. But I think that was uh, the first time of actually I think the, the beginning right. of our friendship. I think. Yeah, it was. And, Dean, I was, I was so impressed to meet you. I knew uh, you'd come out of Aurora, as I had, and that you'd worked at WMRO. That's where John Drury That's uh, right. started, too. That's right, yep. And and uh, I always kidded. I, I thought, boy, there's something in the air out there on the Fox River Valley that yeah. seems to get us into this line of yeah. work. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, was, uh, it was a great training ground. certainly was for me. It uh, was. At least anyway. It's a great town. Uh, but uh, to see everything that you have gone through uh, and the, the loyalty that you've developed over the years, all the way to the point of being Tom freaking Skilling. Now, <laughs> the... Isn't that- the the uh, moniker that uh, has stuck with you now yeah. since uh, this uh, was developed through a comedy piece with that, Pat Tomasulo. With Pat Tomasulo. Brilliant comedic mind. Yeah. yeah. T- take a listen to this. So, as owner, I've, uh, I've decided to move in a different direction, and we've talked it over, and uh, we're going to have to let you go. Ah, not this again. Look. For the last time, you don't own this place. You don't even own your car. All right, that's not really necessary to get. If anybody owns this place, it's me, Tom freaking Skilling. I could have you killed if I wanted to. As a matter of fact, hot shot, I'm about to show you who owns this place, you little punk. Go ahead. Keep running, you coward. Let me go. 
Get out of the way! Well, I'm assuming that he's going to let somebody go around here. Oh, gosh. Hello, weather. Yeah, yeah, it's going to rain. What do you want me to do about it? (laughs) I'll tell you, that little no good. (laughs) Yeah, it's going to rain. What do you want me to do about it? That may be my favorite part of the whole thing. Well, do you know what? That's the only thing I really contributed to that because... Pat had come in the day before, and he said, look, I'm, I'm doing something for the morning show. Would you work with me on it? And I said, sure, Pat, if I, if I can help you. He said, I'll come in with a script. So he came in the next day, and I'm reading it, and it says, I can have you killed. I said, you want me to say I can have you killed? <laughs> and uh, and then the Tom freaking Skilling thing. And he says, just think of some way to sign off. So I'd always wanted to say, because, you know, people would say, I hate this weather. Did you bring this rain? And so, you know, and so I thought I'd have some fun with that at the end and pretend I was taking a, a viewer call on complaining about the forecast. Tom, you know, and you know this, Dean, you work with Pat Tomasulo every day. Uh, the wonderful thing about Pat is he gives you the best lines. You know, I yep. mean, he writes this stuff. Yep. And the Tom freaking, you do these things and you have no idea whether they're going to work or not. I was kind of uh, afraid that maybe I was going too far with saying I could have somebody killed. And it turns out <laughs> That's the thing that, you know, it stuck. Uh, I I walk down the street now and people say, oh, it's Tom freaking Skilling. And uh, so who knew? Yeah, <laughs> you know? it's, it's classic. It is absolutely yeah. classic. Is now, Bill, what's it like uh, being uh, working side by side with uh, Tom freaking Skilling every day? Well, I'll well, tell you. You know, the- <laughs> I, uh, I I may have uh, lost a few years off my life wondering if we're going to get on the air every night, but other than that, it's been fantastic. Yeah, yeah this is Bill Snyder, who we, we've had on the show many times. Yes. Uh, but uh, Bill is Tom's uh, weather producer. He is. And uh, what, a, what yeah. a team they are. Oh, my gosh. I, I tell Bill we've got a Vulcan mind meld. We've worked so, uh, you know, I, I don't even have to say things uh, uh, to Bill. Uh, he just knows where we've got to be at a certain point of the time. And Bill has seen the low moments. When the computer crashes, two minutes to airtime, uh, and my reaction to that. I've often said if I ever meet Bill Gates, I'll have a couple of thoughts for him. Uh, about the technology. Just, oh, yeah. Just a couple. Yeah, a couple. Yeah. Like, how come the platform didn't work the first 10 years, you know, that, uh, that right, right. you Bill, unleashed on the world? Bill, but, well, how are you feeling about, uh, you know, your mentor? He's probably you're, happy. You're probably <laughs> Peace. Quiet. Finally. Yeah, I know. He, he can sum it up in one word. That's finally. Finally. Yeah, thought he'd no, never leave. It's, it's, yeah, no, no. It's it's uh I'll tell you what, Dean. I, I truth be known, I'm 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 gonna really miss Tom and we've we've had a great huh. relationship for twenty seven years and uh I've I've learned a lot from him and all the knowledge that I carry with me today is largely due to uh to working with uh, whom I call the goat of the profession. He's the greatest the of truth. all time. That's the truth. And uh and so, you know, I've it's it's you can't you can't replicate you know, we we've we've had this discussion many times, Tom and I have with, with young students that have come in out of our office for all the over the years, you know, Valparaiso and Northern Illinois and so forth and we've gone on to um very lofty meteorological careers and um you can't replicate just being in that environment and the pre- and getting the practical That's experience true. that that you get in a textbook you just can't no. and just 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 working side by side with Tom I've learned so many things and 
different techniques as far as forecasting. And, you know, we, we put out so many different climatological things, Dean, and I feel that that sets us apart from, from everywhere, everybody else in town. And, I mean, it means something. It's water cooler talk. When, when some people are talking, hey, did you hear WGN had that stat? You know, people will tell me, and even when I'm at the, at the health club or somewhere else, and uh, it's just it's pretty cool. You know, I mean, and, that, and that's, we, we really enjoy doing that, and we've been doing that for many, many years before yes. um, a lot of this information became widely available to us online. Um, we worked with a guy for many years, uh, Rich Koneman, who um, worked at the National Weather Service for three or four decades before yes. joining us at WGN. And um, Rich had all of Chicago weather records <clears throat> in his computer on, 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 a, on a floppy disk, and he was able to, uh, yeah. to generate statistics for us. And it's just it's really cool. Yeah, you know, what that enables us to do um, is to look at a weather event and put it in some kind of historical perspective. You know, we, we've had so many weather extremes, um, but um, right. when you can look back over history and say, hey, uh, you know that cold spell we just went through? That's the coldest we've ever had at this time of the year. Uh, or right. how about this winter? You know, this is one of the warmest winters we've ever had around here. Right. It ranks in the top tier. Um, right. This is the warmest February to date we've ever had. Lowest amount of ice on the Great Lakes. And you find every passing year, as climate continues to change, these things uh, are occurring with increasing frequency. And, uh, no question. you know, and it, it's interesting because, you know, there's often a, a heated debate over climate change and climate science. The fact is, we knew the planet was going to start warming back in the 1800s. Scientists knew that. Right. And uh, and it's happening and you don't see it every day out your window. So it, it opens the opportunity for folks to say it's not happening. But it is. Right. And uh, and the effects um, grow with each passing year, and they may affect other parts of the country uh, before they affect us, but um, they're happening. But I, Bill is, uh, is uh, he just loves the subject, uh, loves meteorology. He's passionate about it, always has been. He's an Illinois State product. Uh, just yeah. like the Harvard of the Midwest, right, Bill? The Harvard of the Midwest, Dan, Dan Rohn and <laughs> yeah, sure, and many among many others yeah. in uh, in this market. So yes. it's well, cool. I'll tell you what, Bill. If you are uh, you know missing a bald guy to hang out with in the building <laughs> after the twenty eighth, come on back to my office, and we'll. Uh, I'm, I'm happy. Yeah. I'm happy to yell at you yeah, for a little while. And Dean, Bill still has a full head of hair. I'll but, fix that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, fix, I'll fix that. Bill Snyder, yeah, right, Tom's right, weather yeah. producer. Uh, <laughs> Bill, uh, thank you for every time you've jumped in here and uh, helped sure. us figure out what's going on. We appreciate it, and thank you for coming oh, on so today. As thank well. you, Bill. Good to talk to you. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> good to talk to you guys, too. And, uh, hey, enjoy enjoy the sunshine today. It's, it's true. feeling a lot better than <laughs> yeah, it was yesterday. Look at them throwing in a weather forecast. Absolutely. Well. Absolutely, yeah. right? That's we it. have to throw in a weather forecast. That's it. Forecast. That's what you guys do. Yeah. That's what we do. Yeah. Uh, thank That's you, right. Bill. Thank you very much. Let's go to Ingrid. You're on WGN with Tom uh, Skilling. Hi, Tom. Hi, Ingrid. Hi. I'm so happy to talk to you. I wanted to let you know you'll be retiring on my birthday. Oh, my so goodness. My birthday is February 28th. I've been watching you since, uh, well, I graduated high school in 1982, so right around there. How nice. Well, thank you, Ingrid. That's so nice. So You now, are the highlight of every day. Oh, gosh. I hope I hope it gets better than that. I, uh, I'll tell you something, but how nice of you. Thank you for your loyal viewership. I wanted to... Uh, 
tell you I remember a few things about you. Well, back when they had the tornadoes in Plainfield, yes. my kids were out for the day with my oh. parents. I had two little kids and oh. late August, and I remember your forecasting. And uh, yep. my children were safe. They had gone out to Morris that day, so it was oh, quite word. a scare for me. And then uh, when you had the eclipse, my younger son oh. and I watched that, yes. and he re- uh, refers that to me many times. His name's Stephen, and he loves you just as much as me. And uh, he talks about that all the time. He was home that day, and we watched that, and we were touched. That was one of the most reaction. one of the most one of the most beautiful things I think I've ever seen is to see your your pure and honest reaction um, to what was happening. Well, you got very emotional watching I, it. You know, I was, and and, and it was. Uh, I just wanted to hug you. I wanted to like reach through the set. It's like that is one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. You know, it, it was, was it was funny. It was. Um, Oh my gosh, it, it, it was like a religious experience. Um, and I didn't expect to react that way. And I was so embarrassed at having lost it on the air. I mean, you know, I broke down. Um, to watch uh, day turn to night and the stars come out at 12 noon, um, you, it made you realize uh, what a speck in the universe any one of us is, uh, that there are forces at work here that are far larger than any of us. And it, 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 I was embarrassed, though, to have lost it. I was on the air live, and I thought, my God, this is, um, th- I, this, I, this is overwhelming me. And I was I was embarrassed by that, and it was funny. Uh, the next day, we were packing up and getting ready to come back to Chicago, and we stopped at a fast food place, and there were lines because a lot of people had gone down there to see the uh, eclipse. And this McDonald's we went into had five TV monitors on, uh, one of them with the Today Show and what's on the monitor, but uh, Skilling breaking down and crying, and I thought, oh, my God gosh uh this has been picked up and is being broadcast to the world and i felt like i wanted to crawl in a hole and hide but um but you know the number of people came up to me and said we cried with you uh right it was um the reaction to that was stunning i'll tell you uh i had was amazing yeah that was that was emotion yeah you had allowed us who couldn't be right there experience it 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 touched our souls. Yeah. Well, Ingrid, I want you to know that. Thank you for that. That, that I'll never forget it. Um, I wanted to let you know, Tom, I've got my Skilling It t-shirt. Oh, my goodness. And <laughs> I will be wearing it on your birthday. I, I call our special time together my Skillingrid time. Oh, <laughs> so I've combined your name with mine. Skillingrid. I love that. Love well, it. I, love our times together i've learned so much to you uh from you and i listen to you also when you step by lisa dent's program every yes. week so i hope to continue and seeing your beautiful photographs that you post i love especially the ones from the smoky mountains caves uh, cove in that area they're gorgeous gorgeous I, right. I you know ingrid the, the the pictures that were sent are just stunning aren't they i mean it's just yes, amazing your how- descriptions Oh, well, I, we're lucky. We have such amazing people that contribute this uh, to us, and it's, it's a lot of fun uh, to see this. You know, I, there are a lot of ills that social media has brought upon the world, but there are a lot of positives, too. And one of them is, you know, whenever severe weather happens, often the first uh, indication we get of how bad things have been are the photos we get off social media in severe weather situations. But the beauty of day-to-day weather comes across as well. So thank 
thank you, Ingrid, for your for acknowledging that. I, uh, I I've always loved those pictures, and it's fun to hear that you've gotten a kick out of them too. Well, thank you. Be back with Tom Skilling after this. All right, a special uh, day here today with Tom Skilling in studio with us. Uh, until one o'clock, uh, your phone calls, your texts, three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. Several people, Tom, on our text line are asking, "How is your health?" Uh, you uh, very uh, publicly talked about gastric bypass yeah. surgery that you had. Uh, what was it? Two, three years ago? Four, now? four years ago. Four years March, ago. Dean. But you, and you look fantastic. You look great. Oh. You're feeling well. You're happy. You did it. Best thing I ever did in my life. I was morbidly obese. It was out of control. Uh, you know, I had a father who was uh, had done gone through that too, and ended up having a stroke and was comatose for a year and all the rest. And I was in the same boat. I had CPAP. I had gone diabetic. I had uh, cholesterol that was off the charts, uh, and I was morbidly obese. And I worked with a uh, trainer uh, trying to get rid of the 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 um, weight. And I finally said to my doctor, uh, Kathy Cheng over at uh, Northwestern, I said, am I a candidate for gastric bypass? And she said, yeah. And I said, what do you know about it, uh, Dr. Cheng? And she said, well, I had a patient who weighed 350 pounds 10 years ago. And all I can tell you is uh, they lost, uh, you know, hundreds of pounds and were non-diabetic after that. All the blood chemistry had come back in line. So I teamed up with Dr. Eric Hungness over at Northwestern and his people. And you go through six months of nutritional work and all, and you talk to a psychologist and all, because your life is going to forever change. And I had, they stapled, the, the, the procedure I had, they stapled the top of the stomach, and then they divide your intestines, so you cut down on both the storage area and the processing area. And by George, they do it laparoscopically. They don't wow. even cut you open anymore. Oh, they wow. went through six little holes. And somehow pulled all this off, and I lost 125 pounds. I'm yeah. no longer diabetic. All my blood chemistry is normal. I went off CPAP. My legs used to swell. They're not anymore. I feel great. Uh, I have these little vertigo spells, uh, but, uh, you know, my mother used to have those. I think it's kind of hereditary. But um, they only occasionally occur, and uh, by and large, I'm in pretty good shape. Yeah, you look fantastic. Thank you. you. Yeah. I Especially was, now, you know, because they're showing old clips. Oh yeah, uh, and uh, oh, I was a disaster. You know, to, to look at you now, your your coloring is great. <laughs> you just you look healthy. You seem more energetic. Yeah, uh, just you know the whole thing. So I'm I, I'm so happy that that worked Dean, out. Dean, well I couldn't me. walk. I couldn't walk our dog a, a block without getting winded or go up a flight of stairs. It was uh, it was bad. Something mm. had to be done, mm. and there were going to be bad consequences. And I would tell anybody who's contemplating it, it's uh, worth the time and effort. It really is. I find as I eat food, certain foods still hit me hard. Uh, but if that's the guardrail that keeps me on track and keeps the weight off, so be it. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's great. More with Tom uh, coming up as uh, we take a quick break for news. And we'll get right back to the phones. It is a Sunday we will not forget. Two hours with Tom Skilling in studio this morning, just flying by. But, uh, Tom, I wanted to play a clip for you of another WGN TV legend who, uh, back in April of 1984, retired. Uh, He made a visit to the Eddie Schwartz 
overnight show uh-huh. on WGN back in the day. He was Bob Bell, who was who played uh, Bozo. Oh, sure. Uh, was uh, a legend. A, a absolute legend. Yep. And on this overnight radio show, a young Tom Skilling was doing the weather. Oh, gosh. And this is you saying goodbye to Bob Bell. Bob Bell is, uh, is, is just a, a genuinely nice guy, as I, I said to you before. And uh, I know I've recounted this before, but I will uh, always remember uh, the way in which Bob is, is pitched in during our telethons, uh, talking to the young people who've come up to the fishbowls and so forth. Uh, a fellow of Bob's stature uh, would be able to put in an appearance for an hour or two and walk away and be happy to have him even for that period of time. But instead, uh, he would arrive on the scene at 6 or 6.30 in the morning, and he would be there through the entire day, which I think is just a, another of the many testaments that we've been hearing all evening long. Uh, of what a nice man he is and how dedicated he is. And besides uh, being a terrific on-air performer, he's just a nice person to work with. And I, uh, he's going to be sorely missed around our station, I'll tell you that. Thank you, Tom. That's all right, Bob. It's, it's been awful nice to work with you, and I hope you keep in touch with all of us. <laughs> My pleasure, Tom. You're, uh, you're aces uh, in what you do, and, uh, and if I may return the compliment, you're a terrifically nice person. <laughs> Well, thank you, Bob. It sounds like we've got it's been a pleasure to know you. Yeah, well, it's been a pleasure to know you too, Bob. And I, this was not. We often we often pass one another in the hall, and you're usually on your way to one of your many appearances. Uh, and I've never really had an opportunity to sit and talk with you at any great length. But I hope that now we that I've got a little more time, maybe I'll be able to. Uh, uh, cement our friendship a little closer. Well, we well, might be Bob Bell Memorial Table down here in the WGN. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're going to name a whole wing of the building the Bob Mor- Bell Memorial Wing. I'll tell you that. <laughs> All we will do is we'll take the executive offices, we'll put a sign up and we'll say, this end, the end that Bozo built. <laughs> <laughs> you know, i got to tell you something, Eddie. I was off last night, as you know. I have Monday nights off. And I, I got up early this morning, which is something I don't often have a chance to do because I work late at night with you. And I'm sleeping in uh, during the morning. But I had a chance to watch uh, Bozo this morning. And you know something? It, it's, it, it, I'll tell you, the way Bob treats those, uh, those you know, youngsters on that show is really nice. There was a young fella who made just one ball, and, uh, and he missed the second one, which was a disappointment to him. You can see that little face fall. And yet Bob was as congratulatory to that little one as he was to anybody who would have made all the whole group of them. And that's got to be important to a young person. Mm-hmm. And this very competitive world, it's pretty important that you, you reassure a young person that uh, he or she is a success, uh, despite the fact that they, they may not be, you know, hitting all of them at, at once. And it's just, I think, a, a small way in which uh, Bob communicates what a nice person he is. That's a very good point. It really is. Tom, I thank you, and I know Bob thanks you. Well, Bob, you, you take care, and we'll be in touch. Oh, about that. How did you find that? I didn't know such a thing existed. Well, you know, people uh, ask us about our Bozo Gar and Ray oh, yeah. specials that yeah. we do all the time. Classic. Which are really the genius work of George Pappas. Yes. Uh, or at WGN-TV. He's the executive producer of all of the Bozo specials that we've done. He was the one that found uh, that clip, of course. George uh, has been referred to as the conscience of uh, WGN, I, as, as well as our uh, company historian. And he's here uh, this morning. In fact, George gave me a ride down here. George, you were so kind. I'll, I'll tell you he something. He hates this, by the way. He, I, he I know. hates any attention. Well, I'll tell you, he deserves all the attention he gets. And Bob Bell, you know, the, 
the recollection I have is uh, uh, Bob would do booth announcing in the morning. Yeah. And uh, on, we had a little studio, Studio 4 off the, the hallway in the second floor. And he would be in full bozo uh, makeup, makeup and yeah, all, right. hair and all the rest. And the Studio 4 door would be open, and he's sitting there reading uh, President Nixon today signed a sultry. <laughs> and he's, he's dressed up as bozo. And, you know, this is before the advent of the iPhone where we could take pictures. <laughs> yeah. But I, I remember thinking, I walked by more than once, and he was... Uh, reporting on these incredibly, uh, you know, these stories of incredible international and national importance dressed up as Bozo. And nobody saw it because uh, all you'd see on TV was they had a slide saying Newsbreak or something. Yeah. So uh, what a nice, you know, haven't we had some amazing people? Ray Rayner, Bob Bell, uh, go down the list, you know, it's, it's just amazing. Think about the people on this. I shared a cubicle when i arrived there with bill berg and bob collins and orlando white remember orlando was our uh, public affairs director and uh yeah we've been we've been very lucky to have just extraordinary unbelievable extraordinary talent but you know talk about the legends i mean there's a very definite reason that there should be a link from bozo bob bell to you (laughs) you are the guys that built the franchise you are you are the guys on which oh, Dean, all the rest of us dean i'll tell you something the franchise was built long before i arrived uh, you know this station's connection um and the wgn radio and tv connection with our uh, our listeners and our viewers um is legendary um you know and it comes after years uh Think about the history of this station i mean from day one the colonel put it on the air back in what was it? I had uh, late 1940s? 48. 48, yeah. And uh, we've been home to the Cubs, the White Sox, the Blackhawks. We've done the Bears at uh, one point. Uh, we, you know, uh, the Bulls. Um, it, it, the history of the station, our affiliation for years with the Chicago Tribune. Yeah. Uh, it, it's it's very amazing. Unique. It's it amazing. Is. A lot of people on our text line are asking, what's next for you? <laughs> and uh, I think. I, I've heard you say uh, we'll see. We'll, yeah, we'll see what it's going to be. But do you have any any uh, plans or anything that you're is kind of uh, making you excited right now? Well, you know, uh, Dean, there's uh, when you get into this retirement thing, there's almost a funereal theme to it all. It's like, and, and I feel like saying to people, "Hey, best as best as I can tell you now, I'm not going to be put in a box and six feet under just yet." <laughs> you know, that may happen, but uh, hopefully for a couple of not for a couple of years, but. Um, you know, I'd like to continue doing things. I, um, I'll i slow down a little bit on the day-to-day front. I'd love to do some uh, special reporting uh, occasionally with WGN. Maybe we'll do some severe weather coverage on occasion to help the group, to help Demetrius out and our whole team there. Uh, we've got such a great weather team. And... Uh, uh, you know, I was talking to Steve Bertrand. Uh, Steve and a partner have started a travel service. Yep. And I was laying in bed because this is uncharted territory for me. I've worked since I was a teenager. I can't imagine what life's going to be like without having a day-to-day schedule. Um, but I think about the point that I'll handle that all right. Uh, but I was laying in bed and I, was, I thought, you know, I've been going to Alaska since 1980. Yep. And uh, what if I were to take 
groups up there. And I asked Steve, I said, you're the travel guy. Uh, is this something uh, we could take folks up? Show them the effects of climate change, but also the beauty of that amazing state. Sure. Yeah, every, every time I go up there, I think, what was the czar thinking when he sold that to us, yeah. uh, you know, back in It's It's unbelievably beautiful. It is. Yeah, you it, guys have been up. Uh, we have gone. You we've and gone. George. Yeah, we've gone. Yeah. And yeah, very uh, definitely. so many other people. And I, it, it's... So there could be Alaskan tours, but you've been spending a lot of time in Hawaii yeah. also now. And I, if anybody had told me that would happen, I would have said you were crazy. But, I, you know, as a kid growing up in New Jersey, I, I love the ocean. You, you went to the ocean. And I always, I remember I walked the beach and, and the waves would come in. I always was fascinated. That's why I love being on the shoreline here in Chicago with our beautiful Lake Michigan shoreline. There's something about water. Um, you know, we have a very intimate relationship with water. Uh, our bodies are... Uh, you know, sixty percent water. Um, but I used to look at the waves crashing. I thought, you know, these have crashed on these shores for time immemorial, and they'll crash after we're all back in the dirt as dust. And uh, there's something uh, fascinating with that. And I've, uh, Hawaii is fascinating. There are microclimates on the islands out there, and I love the waves. These big storms go across the Gulf of Alaska, and uh, you watch these waves. Uh, pound the area uh, out there. It's it's a stunning thing to watch. I, it's what attracted me to Alaska. I wanted to go up there and see what how the weather operated. I used to have a professor who would look at these big, wound-up Gulf of Alaska storms, and he would stream of consciousness say, why do the best storms happen where I'm not under them to watch what's going <laughs> on? And I, you know, I, you learn as a weather forecaster by watching the atmosphere go through its uh, motions. Several people on our text line are asking, would you come on my TV cooking segment and cook with me sometime? <laughs> are you a cook at all? Uh, you know what? I'm, I run a mean microwave. Uh, I tell you something, you know, I take a pre-cooked meal and boy, I can put you that can one warm, minute. Warm that baby and, up. And warm that baby yeah, up yeah. like few people do. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm not much of a... You know, one of my roommates, Sean Lewis, uh, is quite the culinary ace. And I got to kick my little weather den is off our kitchen. And um, I'll hear this clinking and clacking and all. And all of a sudden, the air fills with these marvelous smells. Brownies are cooking or something like that. And I said to him, I said, how did you learn to cook like that? And he said, well, I had a single mom. And she worked three jobs. I was worried she didn't eat properly. Yeah. And he learned to cook. And so he could make sure his mom was properly fed. And uh, so I, I, but I, I don't possess such skills. You don't have those skills. No. I'll bet you could do like healthy eating though. Now that you're, you know, now that your diet's changed. I I have a lady I work with, Pat Butkus, who uh, helps me with my meals. And uh, I'm grateful for that because I'm so busy during the day. I don't have the time to measure things out the way you should to do it properly. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, well, uh, this, in this time slot, we would normally be doing my food uh, segment, ah. uh, which we are not today. But it is normally sponsored by Writers Theater, the band's visit. And we'll have more with Tom Skilling when we come right back. Sunday morning with my pal Tom Skilling in, uh, with us this morning. Tom, is there anything that you would have done differently in your career if you could... Uh, change, turn back the clock, change anything. Is there anything you would have... You know, Dean, it's interesting. When you get to this state, uh, you know, I'm approaching 72 years old, you look back on it and you think, did anything I did make a difference in any way, shape, or form? Or what would I have done differently? The answer to that is absolutely it did. By, well, by I, you know, I'll tell you something. Well, that's nice of you, Dean. I, uh, 
I, I don't think I would have done anything differently. I started a little radio station, um, and that was marvelous. I'd hang around on the weekends and cut the grass and wash the windows and all, and they put me on the FM. At that time, you know, FM was, uh, they played background music yeah. in stores yeah. and all. Yeah. And you picked your own records out. And I learned, uh, you know, all kinds of Andre Castellanos, Percy Faith, uh, you know, <laughs> Guy Lombardo. I, you know, music I never would have listened to on my own. And the number of people in this business who have started that way in their teenage years, it's a marvelous way to start. And then I did a year on Channel 60 out in Aurora that went on the air. It was a first attempt at local television. Then I went up to school and worked when I was at uh, in Madison at the University of Wisconsin and went down to Jacksonville, Florida, flew with the hurricane hunters. The Navy went out of the Jacksonville Naval Air Station. That's the first time I flew into a hurricane. Oh, wow. And I've had a chance to fly in with the Air Force since then from Biloxi, from uh, Keesler Air Force Base there. Uh, you learn every step of the way, and uh, I think I've done that. Um, and uh, and it's been fun to watch the science evolve too it's, yeah, it's just of been course. amazing you know it's interesting as we played the clip of you wishing bob bell well <laughs> yeah, on his retirement he said the same thing in an interview uh that he wouldn't have changed a thing yeah that you know sometimes you go out there and you have better show than another and uh, you know if not you Try it again tomorrow. Yeah. Do it again tomorrow. But he said, I wouldn't have changed a thing. Uh, no. Also. So an interesting comparison. Let me get a few uh, phone calls in here before we have to sign off. This is Sister Maureen. You're on with Tom Skilling on WGN. Hi, Tom. What an honor to be able to talk to you today. Sister Maureen, how nice to talk to you. Oh, Tom, I'm a big fan. I was born and raised in Chicago, and I have spent um, many different ministries, Tom, outside the state of Illinois. But I can assure you that I have never, ever found another weatherman who can compare to your expertise, your kindness, and your commitment to excellence. Oh, sister, how sweet you are. You know, Loyola might have Sister Jean, but Tom (laughs) Skilling will also always have the love and gratitude and prayers of Sister Maureen. And as we send you off to retirement, Tom, let me simply say, may the road rise to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face. May the rain fall softly upon your fields. God bless you, Tom Skilling. We're going to miss you. Oh, how sweet you are. Thank you, Sister Maureen. How nice to hear from you. What a lovely and moving Send off. Thank you so much. That's absolutely beautiful. Thank you. And to you as well, sister. Appreciate it. This is Cole. You're on WGN with Tom Skilling. Hello. Well, good morning, Dean, first of all, and good morning to your illustrious guest today. (laughs) Uh, I just wanted to throw in a a thing that, and I've been listening to this for a while. Uh, People are saying how kind and gentle and involved and interested Tom has been. Uh, I got my first job in radio as Tom's replacement at WKKB. Oh, for, oh for heaven's sakes. Is that Tom right? How long ago was that now? That was 1970, Tom. Wow. And you had already resigned, and you were headed up. I think you were going to summer school at Madison. Wasn't that true? Yeah, like you that? know. When I learned I was accepted at Madison, I drove up on a weekend with the broadcasting yearbook, and I thought I'd knock on doors and see if there was a chance of doing uh, radio work. And and darn if they didn't have a disc jockey uh, shift that opened on the weekend, and uh, they were affiliated, the radio station, with the ABC television station, so I hoped I'd get a crack at doing the weather. But yeah, you've got a great memory. 
Do you know? Well, you were t- well. I, I couldn't forget that, Tom. You were talking about Andre Castellanos. And, yeah. And the- <laughs> The golden sound of West Suburbia. Exactly. That's it. The golden sounds. That was our format. Yeah. What what you people don't understand is that that was what we would call a rip and read radio station. Yes. Yes. Where, as Tom just said a minute ago, we'd pull our own records and the turntables and a cart deck and a full board. Yeah. And a, and a, uh, what was it, Associated Press. Yes. uh, Yes, you get the five-minute uh, news summary off there. Yeah, and so you put on a long song and go in there and rip off <laughs> yeah. the, the some five-minute spot summary they call it, and you would edit it down to four minutes. Yeah, yeah, and then you'd say the time in West Suburbia is one p.m. That's it. And now WKD I would news. let me you just say let me just news. say this. I would pay any money if anybody has any recordings of Tom doing oh, that. I was awful. There is no I, price too high to pay for that. Cole, thank you for the call. Thank we you, really Cole. appreciate it. We That's have to great. Scoot out of here. And uh, Tom, I can't thank you enough for for coming in this morning, spending some time and reminiscing. We could have done the full four hours with you here today, but I uh, I appreciate you uh, so much. I appreciate your friendship. Uh, right all all that you've you, done uh, on the air, I admire you so much, and um, you are I, so I just, kind. I just wish you nothing, nothing but all the best. Thank you. I it, thank you. Thanks to my listeners, my viewers, Dean. You are a treasure, and I don't know anybody who works any harder than you do in this business. I don't know how you do it, and uh, you do it so marvelously so to hear such kind words coming from you is uh, is something tom and Th- i'll both be uh, spokespeople for hair club for men exactly that'll, that'll be our next uh, yeah. uh project you, you told me you're in parades and people mistake <laughs> you for all me the time because we both have the all same hairline the for lack of it all, all the time if they're not saying billy joel they're saying hey tom nice weather today thanks for the weather today i, know. I just i don't even correct them anymore i just thank them now <laughs> Occasionally, I cuss somebody out, and they're going to blame it on you, but it's okay. It's so great. Tom, uh, Dean, thank- thanks for the chance to visit with you. Always a pleasure. Thank and, you uh, so much for coming continued in. Continued success, Dean. We we don't want to lose you. I'll tell you that. Well, we'll. Uh, I'm, I know that you and I will uh, be our, you know friends forever. That's we will. For sure. We will.